You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. We thank you because we know that you're here. You're here to touch. You're here to speak the word. You're here to infuse courage. You're here to lift the burden. You're here to give us clarity and direction. Lord, we thank you. We thank you because this is a gathering of women whose hearts are seeking for you. The psalmist will say, as the dead pants for the waters, so my soul longs after you. Lord, this is a gathering of your children whose hearts long for you. They long for the more that you're calling them into. I ask, so oh God, that you would do what only you can do, that you would meet each one at the point of need. I ask, Daddy, that you would take the words that will be spoken here today and, and let it be split into different parts that everyone would find something in the words that will come forth today in the mighty name of Jesus Lord you told me that you are lifting burdens for those who feel like this call is too much it's, it's heavy Lord you are lifting that burden today and you are giving them joy because your yoke is easy and your burden is light Lord we thank you Lord we bless you for in Jesus mighty name we pray Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Could we fill up the rows in front, please? For those in the third row, please come forward. There's space on the first row. You're welcome. Praise God. Thank you so much, Adora. Thank you so much. God bless you. Um, before we go into the meat of the matter, I just want us to, you know, feel free and relax. You're in God's presence. This is meant to be an intimate, you know, gathering of ladies who are, we, we, call, we titled it Young Women in Ministry. And you know, um, the truth is, I truly believe God wanted this to happen. Because I didn't hear it. It took two different people to come to me and tell me, I think God wants to do something. There are a group of hungry women, young women in life point that he wants to speak to, that he wants to you know, almost like clear the waters so that they're not confused, that he wants to encourage, you know, and this honestly is, is, is all God, and God is so intentional, you know, and the word I kept hearing this week was, it's not about you, it's not about you, and I, I don't know if somebody needed to hear that, but what God is, you know, stirring your heart to do, it's truly not about you. So he would do it with you, with your strengths, with your weaknesses, with everything you think disqualifies you. He would use you and he would do what he needs to do because it's truly not about you. There's, there's someone, there's a group of people that he's sending you to. And so as we, we would have discussions, we have opportunities to ask questions to, you know, women that we admire who are serving God, you know, deeply. And I trust that like he told me, burdens will be lifted and that you will find the release and the joy you need to go and be everything he's called you to be, to go and do all that he's, you know, stirring your heart to do. Praise God. But before we do that, we, we, we take a few games, you know, just lighten up, loosen up, laugh, get to know each other some more. So, Timoni. All right. Good evening, everyone. This is hopefully not my favorite part of this evening, but I'm very excited for the games. So we're going to play a quick game of Taboo. 
and possibly if we have enough time, we're also going to play um, Concentration. So, it's game time. Let me see. Mm, I think we could actually split into two equal groups right now. If we split halfway through from Rona, from Rona down and then, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes, good. So this is one group, group one, and then group two. So who's played Taboo here before? Every No? No one? Oh, okay. All right, cool. So Taboo is basically a word game whereby each group tries to get as many words as possible based on the clues that the person who's guessing gives them. So... Rona, could you please be my, my co-player? I guess I'm just going to do a quick um, sample of how Taboo goes. I know, that's, we're going to play it together. Okay, so this is a card. This card has a word on it. It has sermon on it. And then it has three guess words. Now these words on the card are the Taboo words. So basically I'm supposed to explain, I'm supposed to get Rona to say sermon without using the Taboo words on the card. So the taboo words on the card are Sunday, service, and church. So I have to somehow get her to say sermon without saying, oh, it's this thing that happens at church on Sundays during a service. I can't say those words because those are the taboo words. So I can say, for example, um, now I have to think about how to. <laughs> that's exactly, that's, that's the point of the game. So I can say, oh, Pastor Idris comes and, and he preaches a, and then she'll say sermon. Or... If you're trying to hear God's word on your iPod, what do you listen to? You listen to a sermon, exactly. But you just can't use... Sorry, what? Message. A mes well, yeah, message. But then I have to say another word. And then you, you can say message, um, I don't, preaching. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, you can't, nope. can't say starts with us. You can't say rhymes like moment. No, it has to be... You have to get sermon. And you can't say starts with us or rhymes like something. So that's the whole point. It's supposed to be tough, right? So we have a couple of words here. Um, and oh, also, you're going to make it through the stack of cards in 30 seconds. So one group does it in 30 seconds, onto the next group 30 seconds, and then we just keep going back and forth till we're done with the cards. Okay? All right. 10 minutes, exactly. So, I mean, we'll definitely be done because I, I didn't make that many cards. <laughs> so, like, makeshift handwritten cards. I didn't write that much. Okay, so who wants to start first for group one? Well, should we do it? We could do a, a um, test round, just very quickly. Okay, so who wants to try for group one? I'm in group one. So, this is group one, and that's group two. Yeah. I like your blazer. I think you should start. <laughs> Next time, don't wear a nice blazer. Okay. All right. So, okay, so you just hold. And if you don't know, if you don't know how to describe something, just move on to the next one. And while she's trying to describe the word, someone from group two has to come to be sure that she's not using the taboo words. And yeah, you're asking your group, or you're trying to get your group to guess, guess this word. So let me just get my phone, which is our timer. 30 seconds. So you try and get through as many cards as possible in 30 seconds. Okay, so. Yes, 30 seconds. Sorry? What? Oh, okay. So can someone from group two please come to be the police? 
if you're really competitive, okay, thank you. <laughs> you're really competitive. Th this is always my job. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, so she's supposed to be sure that you're not using the taboo word to describe. Yeah, so you can't say, you can't say any of these words. <laughs> All right, guys, so ladies and gents, well, just ladies. <laughs> All right, so your time starts, and like I said, if you don't know something, just move on to the next card, skip. Okay, your time starts now. Something that we eat in church. Our co-lead pastor, Elevation Church. On to the next one. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, I'm gonna do this. Are you okay? Thank Praying you. in. Oh. <laughs> Thirty seconds is up. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, so that's basically the whole idea of the game. It's, it's good yeah. Talk. So do you want to do for your group next? So she can be your police. Okay. And now you can do her dirty just like she did you. <laughs> okay. All right, your time starts now. A popular scripture that talks about a good woman. A good woman. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a romantic verse, um, romantic book of the Bible. Are you looking at the taboo words? Um, like things you eat, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> 30 seconds. 2-1, uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, 2-1. So who's ready to, exactly. So team one, you need, you need to come up. So who's ready to, what? Nobody wants to do What's friendly? <laughs> Who's, who's friends here? <laughs> the kingdom of God suffereth competition. <laughs> and the most competitive take it by force. All right, Tony. Okay, yes. So anyone on team two? Yay. Uh, you have to wait for your police. Okay. All right, then. Your oh, sorry, what's your name? Okay, police or se sergeant or Osama, take it away. Your time starts now. He wept. Yeah. Ha. Star. Okay. Ha. I've not eaten. And your time is up. Wow, you, wow, look at you, girl. Who's Haman? Who that? <laughs> that was two. That was two. That was two. No, yeah, that was two. I know, I know what you were trying to do there. That was two. Two, my love, two. All right, Tony, time to show her. Your time starts now. Birthday is December 27th. 
December 27th, 27th, 23rd, 23rd. Yes, yes, yes. Um, um, she's here. Uh, ooh, fast, fast. She's here. She's fast. Yes. Um, he plays an instrument. No, 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 not in, not here, but in Nigeria, he's known. It's over. Yes. But yeah, that was a good one. Yep, uh, so three. Are we done? Yep. Yeah, three. Yeah, 30 seconds Woo! is over. Yay! <laughs> Even though I really feel like that one, that 23rd of December, his birthday is 23rd of December, of all the people in the world. Oh, <laughs> uh, all you December people. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. All right, so who's ready? Team one. Dami, you look like. Extremely ready. Yes, girl, you were born ready. Come on. Okay, so who's going to be her police? I need a sergeant. Yes, Tony, I like uh, the way you're looking. You look like you're ready to show her. Oh, cool, cool. <laughs> Woohoo! Bloody, you're coming next. <laughs> yeah, Tony's going. Um, All right, what's your name? My name is Obi. Obi, okay. Right. Obi and Tony, take it away. Your time starts now. I dash you. Dash, like. Uh, so he sings here. Thank you. Ah, daughters of. No, no, no. Come on, come on. Thank you. Um, I don't know what this is. Yeah, so they're the most popular gospel band in the world. Everybody. Thank you. Um, yeah, he he's really energetic on the stage. He like really like. God bless you. Yeah, so the, the bigger church of this one. All right, thanks, Abby. Woohoo! Yeah, you're done. Well done. Girl, you killed it. No, no, no. Wait, your assignment's not over now. You have to. <laughs> I thought it was friendly. <laughs> wow. All right, Toyin. Take it away. Your time starts now. Ilson was in Nigeria last week. Ooh. Delilah. Um. size and then we'll be done. We'll be, our time will be over, right? Okay, all right. So, Lola Day, yes, I didn't forget. Come through. Yes, please. Thank you very much. And who's ready to battle against Lola Day? Anyone? Anyone? Go, Tolu. Go, Tolu. Go, to Who's Tolu? Go, Tolu. 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 Okay, Tolu. All right. Good, 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 good. Um, no, no. I think we're done with the pastors, actually. So yeah, I think you can take it away. All right, Lola and Tolu. Oh wait, let me let me be sure that we don't have any life point specific stuff.
what happens when you do makeshift taboo? And you write your own taboo. Um, Okay, I think we should have enough. All right, then. So, your time starts now, Tolu. Where God said, let there be light. Um, parted the Red Sea. Sang a song very popular right now with Tim Godfrey. fun right yeah. okay okay so this the next segment is um it's a, it's a short 30 20 minutes q and a with somebody that is not new to us at life point um i won't waste more time she goes by the name ferrari can we welcome pastor talk up here <laughs> please thank you Praise God. So this is young women in ministry. Like, like I said earlier, um, we, we sense that there are young women here who God has been, you know, talking at your hearts, you know, and saying, I have more for you to do. There's, there's more. There's a, there's, a, there's a bigger calling on your life than you are living already, you know, and we, we sense that that is a call and the heart of God for the season. And we said, you know what, let's organize a, sh a small, intimate setting just like this for women who are actually interested in learning from other mentors and women who are living, we believe, are living God's plan for their life and serving him in the way he's called them to, right? So this is a Q&A before we have our big mama come up stage. So Pastor Tokwe, we love you. <laughs> How did it all start? The Pastor Tokwe we know today Life Point, a pastor at Life Point, convener, orange butterflies. Um, you're running something really powerful and phenomenal in the marriage and counseling space, you know, radio personality. How did you evolve? How did it all start? How did it all start? 
I don't think I have a precise date how it all started, but I remember um, when I was 16, 17, and I had just gotten into Unilag, and I realized that most Thursdays, I'd find myself at Pastor Bimbo's church. And for some reason, I was, I admired her. I, and I'm, I mean, what's keeping it real here, I loved her shoes. <laughs> yeah, I really did love her shoes. And I had never, I grew up Anglican, so I had never seen a woman preach the gospel, talk to other women, talk to other people about God, and look as fabulous as she did. And that inspired something in me. And I, for some reason, I, and I want, what I have now realized is that um, God is the one who puts the desires in our hearts, you know. And so I had this desire all of a sudden. Maybe it was from vanity, I don't know. But I just wanted to do what she was doing, you know. I just loved the fact that regardless of how she looked, she spoke so well. And people were taken by her, you know. Her words resonated with so many things that I had learned even as a child. But she brought it and she made it real. And every time when I, when I went back on campus, you know, because she was really talking about relationships. When I went back to campus, I was already dating my husband. Her words always rang. And so there was clearly something beyond her looks, beyond that was penetrating. And I suppose that was where, and that was how something was ignited within me. Yeah, that you can do this without necessarily, I don't want to, for the lack of a better word, conforming to the norm of how you're expected to look and portray yourself as a woman in ministry. Thank you so much. So, um, by the way, I attended Fountain of Life, so uh, Pastor Bimbo saved me, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, so, Orange Butterflies is, a, is, a, is, is, is more virtual than physical. You know, it's a group of women whose mission, I believe, is to pray, to see God's face, to encourage each other. How did you... So, what, what prompted you to actually to kick off or start Orange Butterflies? So, it's a really funny story because yeah. um, I had started this small thing with one-on-one, -on -one, you know, and um, it just became like my life, talking to young women and um, talking about business, talking about work, but somehow relating everything to the word of God. And then someone special came into my life and she then said to me, she thought I was being small-minded about what it was that I was doing, you know. And I, for a long time, I didn't see what it was she was saying, you know. She just kept saying, you can do this on a bigger scale. You can have more impact. And once again, I just felt, look, I'm, I'm not cut out for this. I don't think, I think my one-on-ones just suits me fine. And believe it or not, one afternoon, we were still on BBM Ben. This special person took my phone and just went on group. You know, I didn't even know how to do those things. It's Tega, actually. And she said, I formed a group. What do you want to call it? And I've invited people to it. And so we're doing it. You know, you, you're, you're doing this. 
and I struggled. I said, no, I'm not ready. And it was a tantrum in my bedroom. But she just kind of said she had a strong inclination. Her friends were always coming to me for advice and stuff like that. And, she's, and so that was how it started. And, and, and the reason why I'm so happy to be sharing this is sometimes you would do it afraid. Yeah, most times you don't feel that you are an authority in anything. It's other people who will prod you and God will always send helpers to you, you know, for the fulfillment of his work. And that's how it began. I, in my scary cat way, I just kind of just sent word out, hello guys, um, it's a group where we pray and, you know, and I was expecting, take me out of this group. I was hoping, I was, I was waiting to, I, was there left in, in uh, BBM? No, there was no left. <laughs> yeah, but that was what I was expecting. I was expecting people to leave. But for some reason, people stayed, you know, and that I found a little amazing. Praise God. Um, did you, you've, you've evolved, Orange Butterfly was like four years ago, but now you're counseling a lot. I, I follow you on Instagram and I read all of your, most of your, you know, write-ups, and it's amazing the wisdom you're dishing out in the marriage space. Have you ever worried about your identity? Because I think for some young women who God is calling, we're like, but hey, I'm a corporate lady. I, I, I do this. What, what justification would I, or what validity, what, what rights do I have to say? I think God is asking me to also do this as it relates to ministry. You know. So let me Did admit something. <laughs> yes. I was saying to my husband the other day that, I, I think it was sometime, about three, four months ago. I said, I'm a fraud. Oh my God, I'm a fraud. And, you know, nobody could understand why I was doing that. But um, I had the very same things I had written on Instagram. I was now, I found myself guilty, you know. And so I just teared up and I was like, I'm a fraud. I'm lying. I'm not practicing what it is that I'm saying, you know. And I just realized that. Talk about your human, you know. Um, we all, um, I don't want to use the word, we all have a mandate. We all know the right things to do, right? Um, sometimes it's really hard to do these things. And when I write a lot of these things, they come from a very deep conviction. And truth be told, um, so many times when I pick up my phone to write, I have realized now that it is really not me writing. Yeah. Sometimes I'm prompted to write and I'm so clueless. But then I start to write and I know that it's a superior being that is writing through me. So I have never taken it for granted. So for every time I start to write, I'm most of the time praying because I'm saying to myself, and so many times too, after I write, I'm like, what the heck did you write? You know, and then I'll get a DM on the side saying, oh my goodness, you just spoke to me. And I'm like, really? And so um, the point I really want to make is that nobody, well, I don't go in into anything. Even when I'm leading prayers in church, I don't go into it saying, oh yes, I pray all the time, you know, I'm mounting the pulpit. I actually go very contrite, you know. I'm, I go asking for help. I go not ever thinking that I have it all together, so to speak. Yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah, so the other part of the question, you've answered one part of it, the other part was, did you ever worry about your identity? Oh yes, image? I still worry about my identity, you know. Where I've never been afraid to 
um, proclaim that I'm a Christian. Um, one of the challenges that I have had, and you know, this is us keeping it real, is me being a business owner, all right? And keeping my business life and my um, spiritual life, they are not meant to be separate, but for some reason, you find people, I'm a shrewd businesswoman, you know, and then I fear a lot of times that um, maybe as a businesswoman, I should be more lenient because I'm a Christian. Maybe as a businesswoman, I shouldn't charge what I charge. Maybe as a businesswoman, oh my goodness, how could your consultancy be this high? Are you not a Christian? After all, what are you using the money for? You're meant to be modest. You're right? And those are all the things that I struggle with, right? But once again, um, in me, because this walk is walk with God, right? I have just learned to live one day at a time and live it with Christ. So as regards my identity, um, yeah, there are times when um, I just fear some conflict, but I've left it to God. You know, he is, there's a quote, there's something that I say, you know, because more when people ask me, how do you share such intimate things publicly? And what is a throwback on my family, on my children, my husband, you know? And it's at those times I confidently quote Paul and I say, I lay my life. I pick it up when I want to, you know. I, at those times, I can boldly say that, you know, that God is the one who, because I have also been amazed at how what, when I was going through them, seemed like things to be ashamed of. When I was going through those trials, things like seemed like things that should be kept hush. I have been amazed at how God uses really the foolish things. Yeah, the things that the enemy would taunt you about and tell you, you want to share this, this is the beginning of doom. You know, you're just um, embellishing yourself as having been through these challenges. But then it's been amazing to find that these very things are the things that have actually brought honor. Yeah. And so those are some of the things that make me worry less about identity. You know, finding that your flaws actually make you a bigger and a better person. Yeah. When God calls you, he's, he's calling to use all of you. Yes. Not assuming that you have it all together. Yes. That's why you have that call. Absolutely. Did you ever struggle with fear? Fear to do what, you know, he's told you to do. How, how did you go past that initial fear, just starting out? Like, you know, when Pete God would, Jesus would tell Peter, step out of the boat. How did you step out? So for many times, well, yeah, I've, I've been afraid. And I'll use my writing once again, because when I initially started writing personal things, my aunt, one of my aunts from the US called me. It was a very serious family meeting that she called. It was a conference, my mom, my dad, and her. And she kept shouting, Ayele, yeah, take me talk by effect power. Meaning, life is too tough to put out your business like that. Talk by, and you know, as she was speaking, I said, hey, yes, yes. Life is very tough. You know, I'm actually saying, I'm making it seem as if my marriage is okay. And believe it or not, I mean, Tega can testify. My, my marriage has been attacked. You know, I kid you not. There are times when I stop writing because I'm going through a very turbulent, 
you know. And it was my husband that first pointed it out. He said, we never used to have these issues, but have you noticed that since we, you started writing these things, you know, things have cropped up. And I'm like, oh my, that's so true. And so we're more aware of the attack. Yeah, you can't be doing something positive and then you think that you won't get backlash. It's impossible, you know. And so, yeah, I've been, I've been scared. I've been, I've been afraid. But I, once again, you, you know, this was me being a little rebellious. So after the conversation and, you know, through the conversation, I said, yes, ma. Ah, yes, ma, it's true. Yes, ma, we'll tell us around. And then when she dropped, I said, hmm, the people that don't write anything, don't they get attacked? You understand, you know, and so the confidence came back again that ah, people are not writing anything, and you know, you know. So is it okay for me to say, oh, we're on a family holiday, we're in Ibiza, and you know, and that is because that's almost like the world's portrayal of everything is okay, you know, with your family, you know. But I said, you know what, God is for me, and whatever would be would be, and so those are my that's my way of just, you know, letting. I mean, um, um keeping fear at bay, yeah. Um, but over the years, I think I have been more confident in Christ, you know, that so long as, and I, you know, I often say to Tega and those around me that, you know, so long as my heart is in the right place, and I know when my heart is not in the right place, you know, but so long as my motives, so long as my mind and my heart and the, the reason for which I'm doing whatever it is, is to give glory and honor to God. The rest is small. He would fight the battles for me. Yeah, so what is there to become, be afraid of, you know? Yeah. And so, Amazing. yeah. Um, just two more questions and yeah. before we, in this, your journey of evolving, how has the fact that you are married to Bradipo being an enabler help. Oh my goodness. Mm. He, um, you know, I don't want to make you guys jealous or anything, but mm. um, I'm actually married to a man who will put my dreams before his. Yeah. So when my aunt spoke with me and said, so what the kind of, I'm just going to give that example. And I went back to my husband and he said, talk with God has given you a gift. I'm 100% behind you. And for me, those words meant if we become, if we're attacked, I'm not going to turn around to say, yes, it's because you were writing, you know. Yeah. Those words meant whatever comes out of this, we're in this together. And so he's been an enabler. He's been a support. He's been pillar. I recall when I was coming to Life Point Church and my husband was very active at the teens church and he's got a heart for teenagers. And one of the things that we had said um, before we got married was we're never going to do separate church. Wherever we go, we both go, you know. And so um, when I said I was going to Life Point, I said it more not very confidently um, but what do you think of life point, you know? And in, I think I don't, didn't get a response the first time. Then the second time I said it, he said, is that where you really want to be? And I said, yes. And he said, let's go. 
you know, now those are some of the things that, you know, as a woman, those are some of the things that give you the confidence to do, you know, and to keep doing, knowing that you've got the support of the one that you love and care about. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And, and his, his support has helped the children support the things that I do as well, you know, because I find that when, when a parent is in ministry, sometimes the children are not very proud of it. Yeah, they're a little bit, a tad bit insecure about, yeah. And so when my kids have their friends over, I have a tendency to want to speak to them about their faith and all, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those moms, you know. And so, and I know that um, because I do it with my husband and his friends as well, and my husband permits me to do it. So initially, my son was like, Mommy, do we... I mean, do we have to go there, you know, like, is there business? Because I, I ask, I start with, oh, what church do you go? Do you enjoy it? You know, and then I wind my way into, oh, are you serious? You're in the choir, oh, really? So you've got like a real personal relationship with Christ, you know, and, you know, the person is like, yes, I do. I'm like, are you serious? Oh, my goodness. So tell me, what are some of the things that, you know, yourself and God and some of the experiences you've had? And, you know, my kids are like, They came to see me, how far, you know. But because my husband enables those conversations when we have dinners, you know, we're talking about God and, you know. Now, I mean, over the past year and a half, maybe, the children have been more relaxed about those conversations. They don't see it as my friends are going to go back to say, I'm not coming to Balaji's house again, you know. Yeah, so it's no more interrogatory. It's more um, conversational, yeah. Does anyone have any burning questions you want to ask uh, Pastor Tokwe? She's up close and personal right now. You know, suppose there's something God has been nudging your heart about. There's a more, and you're not even sure how to navigate it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently like found you on Instagram, and you blessed my whole life. And I want to ask, because so I I'm in ministry currently. This is a ministry meeting, so that's fine. Um, and, and God asked me to quit my job last year. So for me, it's really just full-on ministry. Uh, apart from that, I try to put myself on a schedule in terms of studying books, taking courses. But I, I even find myself kind of stretched thin in terms of managing my family, spending time with them, spending time with God, reading books. Do you understand? So you are married. You, you have a business. You have children. How do you balance everything? That's a very valid question. I say valid because it's our reality, you know. So long as we're in this, all right, we just, I, I call them glass balls, you know. I used to call them balls, but then somebody, somebody said glass balls. And so glass balls can break. Yeah, they really can break. And so learning to juggle takes the Holy Spirit. But um, when I first started on this journey, um, I've got my, my darling here. I was doing almost three, only three hours of sleep. And I did that for like three years. Yeah. I had businesses to run. I had children to raise. Right? And I was just breaking into this walk. Right? Walk, work. Do you get? And so for me, it was, I needed to spend time with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and I now became, it was like a drug addiction because I now became hooked. 
And I think it's great. I became hooked to the point where the days that I didn't spend that time, those days were not productive, right? Um, and so the only time that I could find as a mom, right, was in the middle of the night. Yeah. And so I just learned to do three, three hours. And then, you know, I'm choleric. So everybody around me just had to suffer for it. Yeah. So um, my sister-in-law, too, was not allowed to sleep for more than three hours. Yeah. Because I would send her a message when I get a message I want to share with her. And she dare not be sleeping. She must be praying, too at that time, you know. And so her husband came to beg me, please let my wife, please sleep. <laughs> yeah, but that's what it is. You know, you want to be effective. You want to be efficient. And so um, just learning to prioritize. And one of the things that suffered for me were social events. Yeah, because I looked at my priority list and I just realized that the way the, those were the dispensable things. So I didn't need to go for a brunch and I didn't need to go, you understand, yeah. But what happens a lot of times is that we still want to do all these things, catch the movie, the latest movie at IMAX, you know, spend time with God, cook dinner. You, you, you'd get tired, you'd get weary and then when you, and then you stop because at some point I then stopped and that was like the end of life for me. You know, I never say that I was, that, that was the saddest part of my whole being. And I knew what was wrong, right? But getting back into the, um, into the, into the rhythm of things was like really difficult. Yeah. Amazing. It's like God never lets you go, right? I think about Jonah. Go to Nineveh. He says, I'm not going. <laughs> Even when he was running, you, you would do what I've called you to do. Amen. Another question. Okay. So, um. What I want to ask is uh, more about balancing your ministry with your social life. And I'm just going to try and scatter it. I'll just Okay, so where I come, where I'm coming from, background spiritually and everything, it's more like you know those mommies in Christ. They are just spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. No social life. They don't do jewelry. They don't do makeup. They don't do any of those stuff. So it's all about Bible, church, and, you know, stuff like that. And um, I don't know if it really had a role to play in my upcoming uh, um, upbringing and everything, but my mom is not like that, actually. She's a very jassy kind of person. But my personality, I'm very introverted. I mean, she even tries to push me out. Go out more. Dress, come on. Put on this clothes that I bought for you and everything like that. But I'm more of an introverted person. So it's like... And then <laughs> I'm bringing relationships into it too. I guess that guys don't want someone that's boring. And usually I find, if you ask me, what do I do for fun? I can't give you anything specific like read. Okay, I read. You read for fun. But then that's like really me. So how do you balance, okay, what is the limit, you know, when you try to go out, how do you balance going for parties and, you know, being a pastor, still being spiritual? What kind of parties do you go to? Um, where do you go to? Where do you not go to? What do you do? What do you not do? And, you know, all those things like that. So just to help you, Tega, what do I do for fun? Read the Bible. Did you hear what she said? 
That is what I do for fun. You can't change who it is that you are. All right? And, you know, on this journey, you have to learn to own and love who God has created you to be. Yeah? So if I... Let me, let me crack you up. When I first met... The first day that my husband and I had a good conversation, right? He was five years older than I am. He is five years older than I am. And he was in his extra year. He always tells me not to tell people that. But he was in his extra year. He claims he was waiting for me. Yeah. And so I was this jambite, right, that had promised herself she was not going to date anyone. But then I met this guy. This guy was very quite persistent. And there was this party that was happening in Unilag that day, that night. And he came to my room and girls were dressing up so I sat on the curb and we're talking and I came across as very funky you know and this was someone who was five years older than I was and as we we're talking I couldn't help talk about the things that I liked and things that I liked were going to church and you know to 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 somebody else it'll be like yeah but guess what he said that night he knew I was his wife so can you imagine if I was then going, oh yeah, um, I do this and I do that. That's not, that, that's, that was never who I was. All right? And so I need you to believe God that he had a reason for forming you the way he did. I have struggled because my children think I'm not cool. My husband is the cool parent. And for so many times, I want to feel among do you understand? When they're talking about, you know, I just the other day they were talking about circa. And Miss, I went, yeah, where? Circa, you know. But I don't know it. I don't know where it is. I don't know what they do there. Do you get my point? Yeah. I only just discovered Netflix. Believe me when I say it's less six weeks ago was when I knew about Netflix. All right? See. God knew what he was doing when he made you. And we won't fit into that crowd if, however way we tried. Alright? And so just own it and love yourself for it. And the person who would... Do you know what my husband loves the most? When he's asked, what's your wife doing? She's reading her Bible. <laughs> he can beat his chest. That he's, he's, either she's watching, reading her Bible or she's watching crime and investigation. Do you understand? It's one of those two. Yeah, or she's arranging her house. That's what he likes. And so the man who loves you, who's going to love the fact that you like to read, and he's going to be so proud of that, he's waiting for you, and he doesn't want you to imitate another person. All right? God has a plan. Okay? Hallelujah. We will still have Q&A after our big mama has spoken. We know our big mama. But Chokwe, just to cap it, what would you say to that young man who feels like serving God, going deeper with him, would be a disadvantage? Who feels like, ah, ah God, if I, if I serve you the way you are, you are staring my heart, I feel like I'm taking the shorter end of the stick. I'm losing out on, on life. What would you say to that young woman? There's nothing further than the, from the truth than that. Serving God for me has opened doors that no demon can ever shut. Yeah. Serving God has opened 
the, 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 what, what I am even finding is that the more I serve God, the more abilities within myself I'm discovering. You understand? And what, what, is, what is bigger than that? What, what is bigger than that? I often say, so little secret, I had a group of friends. So I had two sets of friends growing up. And I had my word church friends. And then I had friends that were probably neighbors, grew up within the same area. And almost as though um, the older I got, the less, because I experienced something maybe 10 years ago where after I sat with some people, I felt drained. After I sat with some people, I felt, I felt like a fraud. You know, after I would use slangs that I normally don't use, I would gesticulate in ways that after I do it, I'll not be asking myself, what's wrong with you? You know, and I just didn't like how I felt when we left each other. I didn't feel, I felt things left me. You, you understand? But when I, when I was with certain people, I felt, I felt bigger. I felt better, right? I, and and I, I, permit me to share something. The kinds of things that I have shared with my church friends, okay, I realize has translated into business ideas, right? Better ways to manage my home. And amazing things like that. Now, when I go to the other side, and I'm not going to teach or to, you know, yeah, I'm going to feel among. I come out tired, all right? And I come out regretful. That's the word, yeah. And it's almost as if it takes me time to get back into my flow because of the sorts of nonsense that came out of my mouth in the process. All right? And so for me, it wasn't worth it. Yeah? Now, sorry, I lost my train. train. What was the question again? Yes. And so um, with working with God, I haven't, my clients, right, have turned into long-lasting friendships because after the business is over, all right, there were, we had certain conversations that have made us become better friends even after business, right? I have also realized that back to the gifts, right? So life actually is fuller and not thinner. Life has more meaning, that's it. There's more meaning when we're walking with God as opposed to when we're not walking with God. And so the times when I am, I, the times in my life that I recall I wasn't really in the mix with God were the times where I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what is my life about? What am I good at? And people are telling me, look at your gifts staring you in the face. But then here I am saying, I, I'm not good at anything. And then I, I became, I realized that I'm easier, I'm, I become more easily moved by the things that I see. So um, it wasn't in the Instagram era. It was in the BBM era. All right? I'll see somebody's DP, and I'll just be sad. 
Do you understand? Because I'm like, ah, this person was in Spain yesterday, and the person is in North Carolina today. Ah, this life, Sha. Do you, do you get my point? Yeah. And then you see some people doing really great at work. They are writing books. They are doing things. And you're like, ah, when was my turn? But your gifts are there. But you are not in the space or the place where, you know, they can find expression. Yeah. And so it's not been worth it, quite frankly. It's really not been worth it. So for the person who is thinking there's another life out there, I haven't really tried that other life or you know, I'm not going to tell you that I've been a guru at trying that or that. But the little I have even experimented, it hasn't been worth it. You know, the, the sorts of things that have happened in my life working with God. If I start sharing some testimonies with you, you call me a liar. But that is like the gospel truth. And let me just share one, just to, you know, give you a little bit. I was with this, my friends. It was 1st of January. Myself, Tega. Tega is my, my buddy, 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 you know. And we went to visit a friend, and it was like, there were six of us. It was a prayer meeting. And we're sharing about what happened with two, who was the person? One, Jim Carrey. He wrote a check of $1 million. And we just tried each other. We said, ah, eh? Somebody wrote check $1 million, and he did not have it, and the money came. And me, Seth, I carried my checkbook, and all of them were teasing me. They were looking at me. I said, ah, you'll be okay watching me. And I wrote the check out, you know, and I said, Father Lord, it's to you I'm writing this one. And then all these people that are looking at me and saying, shame them, you know. A week later, I went, I was in the car. And I won't forget my posture. I was on 3rd Milan Bridge. My driver was driving. I was right beside him. And I reclined my seat. And then I get a call and somebody says, hello, I want to design my space. And, you know, I get the call all the time. So I was like, okay, what's your budget? And the person said, sell yourself in five minutes. And, you know, I said, Amy. <laughs> you know, I've been in this industry. You know, I wanted to, you know, the way I was answering the call was, you know, like, sell myself in five minutes. Oh, nonsense. And I was still, and then the person said, um, talk, just talk to me. Talk to me, madam, you know, about what you do. So, you know, I said, well, I design spaces, you know, you could tell from the other end that, this person is just proud. And then as he was talking, I said, you know what? I need you to tell me what, and this was, this was my tone. I need you to tell me what your budget is. And then the person said, a million dollars. You see, I just reclined my seat. I said, okay, sir. So, you know, at six cents, what we do is that, you know, we transform, you know. <laughs> do you see my point? And immediately, the Holy Spirit just linked it. That I'm good like that. Yeah. Alright? If I, it is not, it's not for some people. If I said it, I can do it. And I would do it. A direct correlation. Should I tell you about tithe? I have amazing things that have happened as a result with walking with God. And so nobody can tempt me. I feel like the other way is the hard way. Do you understand? I feel the other side is the toiling way. You know, I just feel that those sometimes I actually say, can't people see the light? Can't you see the benefit? You know, and I was sharing with my son. I said, you know what? He was saying, mom, but you know, all these things that you, you, you know, you experience because he's there when I experience this thing and I tell my children, he says, all these things that happen to you, ah, they don't happen to me. So I say, you know what? You are greedy. That's why. 
He said, what do you mean? I said, you want to know God on the terms of give me, give me. I said, it's re really on the terms of I love you, I want you, I'm Hallelujah. for you, I'm with you. Or is it, ah, some of these things that my mom is happening, that is happening to my mom. Jesus, I need you. That's why I need you. All right? And that is the, so we have to come to terms. Why are you in this? Are you in this to get something out? Or are you in this walk with Christ such that um, you enjoy a lasting, powerful relationship as well as get the benefits? Yeah, which is it? Praise God. Hallelujah. Can we just celebrate Pastor Tokwe again? I love listening to her like I've not heard this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Like I said, we do have um, the opportunity to ask questions, but we have, she's not a guest, but she's our big mommy. And I don't want to even say too much. She's going to come. She's going to talk to us about her own journey, probably in about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, her own journey of evolving from a senior bank at FCMB to choir choir member Daystar. I, I still remember Pastor Bola. Choir member Daystar and even Elevation Church. When you say, oh, Pastor, Mama, come down now. I will be singing church and your husband is a puzzle. Why? <laughs> you know? You know, from all of that, you know, to the woman that one day I was driving, you know, on the Lakers, and I saw her image on the billboard. I said, hey, this is Pastor Bola. Ah, let's celebrate Pastor Bola as she comes. <laughs> I love her very much. We've gone on vacation together. She's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Please sit. Please sit. Please sit. Is it okay if I sit down too? Okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Good evening, everybody. Oh, <laughs> good evening, everyone. Um, this is such an honor um, just to sit down and just talk, you know, not um, standing behind a pulpit or any of that stuff. Just gist. All right. So that's what we're just going to do this evening. Gist. So after Ogo and I had the conversation, okay, we want to do this at LifePoint, women in, um, young women in ministry. And I just tried to take my mind back and just try and piece together the story so that it would be easy to, you know, just have this conversation today. And I remember last year, last year, um, 2017, um, I got to minister at Dista at the women's conference and I remember in the car driving up to Daystar to go and speak that day. All these thoughts were just bombarding my mind. I was like, Bolarinwa, is it not you? Is it not you, Bolarinwa? It's you now. Um, and then stepping up on that stage, I couldn't help it. I just had to tell the women in the room that, look, um, I came into Lagos in 1999 for service year. Before that, I'd lived, grown up in Zaria. Um, my family, my parents, we lived in Zaria and we grew up in northern Nigeria. So we came to Lagos. I came to Lagos for service here. And when I was coming for service here, I had three prayer points, just, just those three. I mean, in the gap space between graduating from school and waiting for my call-up letter, three prayer points. The first one was I'd, I'd had such a great time on campus. My campus fellowship um, it was called Savannah. Savannah. Um, ministries. And we were the fellowship on campus that everyone said um, we were like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
you know how it is. Um, his disciples, Judas had to come and kiss him on the cheek. That was the only way to tell him apart. So pastor and Omoijo, Omoijo, um, congregation member, we all looked the same. We all just roughhoused together. We were just, you know, we're just that way. And I told God that, look, I'm going into service here. Yeah, I, I need to find a church family that would be just like that for me. I would really settle in. It would be family. It wouldn't just be church. That was one. Second, there's all this gist about there's no job, there's no work. Lagos, I mean, Nigeria is hard. There is no work. Unemployment rate is that and that. And I said, Lord, my times and seasons are in your hands. I want to be self-sufficient during my service here. And then the third prayer point was I just wanted to find friends that I could really relate with. Um, I didn't want to do life on my own. I just wanted to have a circle of friends who I could trust and who I could count on and who would be real with me. I wasn't, and I, I, I trust to God that even now I still am very real. No ears. It just is a waste of time, a total waste of energy in my opinion. As real as can be, you know. And all that season, that was my constant prayer. I didn't pray more than that. I didn't, just those three prayer points. Every time I went to pray, those were just my prayer points. And it's amazing that when I got my call up and came to Lagos, went to camp, um, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, long story, tried out church in a few places, didn't quite work. And then I was at work one day and this woman dropped a card on my table. Um, Come worship with us, Daystar Christian Center. And I thought, what kind of name of a church is that? And then the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered in my mind, look who's talking. You went to a campus fellowship called Savannah, and you're asking what kind of name of a church is this time. You must be, something is um, doing you somehow. Will you get up now? And, you know, walking in, I remember 71 Oregon Road, walking into service that day, the sensation I just got, it was as though this rush of water you know, like you're standing on a seashore and then this rush of water just refreshes you. And I was like, oh yeah, this is it, this is it. And one of the conversations I'd had with God during that gap space was, okay, when I do find a church that I would settle into, I would join the choir. So I got into service that day. Um, like I said, the worship was going on. I felt this rush of sweetness. By the way, it was Joko's mom who drops that invitation card on my table at work that day. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate Joko's mom. <laughs> did she ever tell you that story? She did. <laughs> to finding his wife for him, Abby. He needs to come and be paying her some kind of tithe. You know? And... You know, I got into service that day, sat down, and I was still very overcome by like, you know, I just really had a very spiritual experience in this few moments in this church. And I, I think I was, I either turned to the person beside me and asked them what's the name of the choir, or maybe they introduced them from the stage or something. I don't remember how it went that day. Like, oh, these are the healing streams of God. I'm like, oh my goodness, confirmation, <laughs> healing streams, here I come. You know, so from coming from that space of, you know, I walked into this church on this very unceremonious day, almost by chance, it seemed, almost random, except that we know that God isn't random, right? I mean, thank God I discovered Daystar and really plugged in and really threw my heart into it. But fast forward all these years from 1999 to 2017, 
And I was speaking to these women on this, you know, on this day in Daystar, thinking the day I stepped into this church, nothing told me I would be up on this stage addressing this room full of people. And indeed, maybe if someone had told that girl, that girl who stepped into service that day, that look, if you fast forward a few um, 18 years, 19 years from here, you are going to be holding a microphone and addressing these people, maybe I would have run back home that day. Just maybe. You know, just maybe. Because um, as a young woman in ministry, the truth is, everything you need for where your God is taking you, where God wants to lead you, is already inside you. It's already there inside you. It's packed in with all the fears. It's packed in there with all the, the voices that won't just be quiet. And you wish they would be quiet. You wish that this thing would just let you be sometimes. It's in there. It's factored in with those desires that sometimes you're even afraid to tell people that, hey, can you imagine the kind of things that go through my mind? Ah, you would think I'm proud if I tell you. Let me not tell you. You know, when I think sometimes about the moments where I would hold an imaginary microphone in my room and preach to my mirror like, mirror, you have to get born again. And I'd be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and laugh it off and just like, oh, Bola, you're, you're just... You're off your rocker today, clearly. Please, will you go and be doing what you're supposed to be doing? When I think about all those very random pieces on their own, they just look like just these happenings that are just scattered all over the place. But when you stand um, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road, and you just try and draw the trajectory and you know, just draw that line, you just realize that God is just so intentional so intentional about, about the gifts, about the callings. And I'll tell you one thing, for example, about being in the choir. Um, it was by, you know, I, I just loved singing in the choir. I mean, I would just be so giddy thinking about going for choir rehearsal and singing and all of that. And one of those years, just closing out the year and rolling into a new, a new year and just trying to put my goals together and thinking, okay, God, what next? What should I be trusting you for? What should I be looking forward to in the year ahead? And God said, you know what? I need you to stop saying no. I need you to stop saying no. And, you know, every time I have these conversations with God, you know, it's, usually, it's, it's either he just gives me this line from the scriptures. One time he told me, stop, um, don't be Rachel. And I was like, God, where is this? Oh, don't be Rachel. It's my name. My middle name is Rachel. I should stop being me. I, bol I should use Bola. I should what are you saying? I had to go back into the word and just read that whole account of Leah, Rachel, that whole dynamic to really get what God was saying. I was sharing with Pastor Busala on the way here that there was a time God told me, where are the daughters of Shunem? Where are the women of Shunem? I had to go back into that account. You know, the Elijah story where the woman would see the man of God walking by and she insisted, come and eat so I've made Oporoko fresh fish pepper soup for you, man of God, don't go. Just to understand what God was saying to me in, the, in, in those seasons. But here he was telling me, I need you to stop saying no, stop saying no, no. And in just praying it through, I understood what he was telling me. Now, um, awesome, Pastor Tokwe, right? I mean, awesome, awesome, wonderful, wonderful. You know, um, and her personality and temperament just shine through in what she says and what she does. If you're anything like me, more reserved, laid back, um, more the strong, silent type. 
you count the number of words they say in a whole conversation, and maybe they come up to three, and they're okay. Don't, you know, um, more often than not, your first response to something that challenges you or shakes you or tries to pull you out of your comfort zone is no. The N to the O. And here was God telling me, in this year that you're going into, it's going to be your year of the yes. It's going to be your year of the yes. And I was like, God, if you will help me, you know the daughter that you have put together. If you will help me. And we started out in my kids' school then. Um, and all this I'm telling you is just to let you know that ministry, um, it's not some far highfalutin thing. Ministry, it starts with the little steps that you take around you in the, in the simple decisions sometimes that you take. Sometimes in the most unusual spaces where God is just leading you and directing you and just moving your courses and you just realize that, oh my goodness, this was absolutely God moving me here. I went to a PTA meeting in my kids' school and they were like, oh, we're putting together a charity committee, blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, this is not the kind of thing I would normally do. Let them be doing charity committee. I'm okay here. And I remembered it's the year of the yes. And I lifted up my hand and I joined the charity committee. I said, okay, at least there are plenty. They didn't say come and lead the charity committee. Just come and join. So I said, okay, we are plenty. We will do all of us together anointing and it will be okay. It's the year of the yes, but still this is not too scary. And somewhere in the middle, they call this woman who was one of the teaching staff to come and share with us about how um, she had just had a baby that year. And the baby was preterm. And she, her baby almost missed getting into the incubator because there were, there were all these incubators that were not working in the teaching hospital at the time. And her heart was just burdened about the fact that, you know what, if one other preterm baby had come before my baby, we wouldn't have had the opportunity for incubator, and God knows what would have happened, you know. And we're like, oh, yes, we need to buy an incubator. We need to buy incubators. And I heard this story, and my heart just broke. Because around that time, my husband and I had sat down, and we just made this list of everyone we knew who, was, who had been married for some time and was still trusting God to have children and all of that. And so I imagined that we had fasted over this list. We had prayed over this list. Some of the people on that list were already expecting and we were so excited. This is our faith project. It's really using, it's coming, you know, and all of that. And I just imagined this is my list. So we will do all of this investment. And then maybe one of them has a preterm delivery. And then incubator will want to frustrate the work of God that we and Holy Spirit together have been doing tag team to bring to pass in this family. I couldn't take it. My heart couldn't carry it. So they said, okay, we're buying incubator, we're um, selling raffle tickets, having fun day, all of that. And I'm not normally a seller or a marketer. I mean, if you have my temperament type, you know us. We know ourselves. Hallelujah. You're not a seller, marketer type of person. And I had always told my boss every time she tried to shift me into a marketing role, or at least into a marketing arena, I'm not a marketer. Let them be marketing. Let me just be doing my thing. You know, but all I heard was just this babies, the thought of babies dying because of incubator. I said, hey, ticket, where are they? And they knew me then in this day. I had this satchel that I used to sling across my shoulder. 
I feel this with raffle tickets. And I, you know, people, you know how you buy raffle tickets page by page? I was selling booklets by booklet. We are saving babies. You don't understand. We are babies cannot die. Not on our watch. I mean, I would see the pastors would see me coming and I would see them trying to judge because you can't escape. Hey, I bought, I bought last week. And that was last week. Is that how God's messing your life is? Last week's one is okay. You will buy again this week. And suddenly I became this other person. And I began to ask myself, God, where was this girl? Where was this lioness all this time? Where was she hiding? He said she'd always been there. She was just waiting for you to say yes. She was just waiting for you to choose to say yes to the plans, to the purposes, to everything I've put. It's already inside you, sweetheart. It's already there. And there will just be some issue, some challenge, somebody's burden you'll hear about that will just not let you sleep. And you're wondering, God, I know there is a call of God on my life. I know God's hand is upon me. I know it. I sense it. But God, I don't even know which way to go with it. Sweetheart, there is a time. There's something about God's time and God's season. You do what you need to do in this time and in this season. You read the books. You do the learnings. You go to church. You, you, you press in to do your part in maturing, in growing, in honing your abilities. But when God's timing is just right, even the things that you didn't know were on your inside will just begin to blossom and bloom and grow. And you know the interesting thing about it is, I mean, I love this part of the story because there was this one particular guy in my office. I mean, no one ever sold anything to him that had anything to do with, oh, government, we're subsidizing government, whatever. As far as he was concerned, um, government has to be government, and the populace has to be populace. Every time we have to subsidize government, we are sowing into, you know, the decadence of Nigerian society was his personal grievance if we had to do anything that government was supposed to do. So I knew that this one would take Holy Spirit. So by the time I had sold those same raffle tickets like three, four, five times to all the people in my office and they were tired, they're like, okay, you know what? The only way we will buy more is if you get, let me call him um, Abdul. If you get Abdul to buy, challenge. If, you, if Abdul buys from you, 100K, we will give you now. I'm like, eh, yes, eh, yes, eh. Okay, now. And I got up on this day, went into the bathroom and just began to speak in the Holy Spirit. If Moses could speak to a rock, you gave him the word anyway to speak to a rock, and you fully knew that water could come out of this rock. Lord, I speak to this rock, and water comes forth for me. And I come out of the bathroom, and I go, hi, 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 Abdul, with the nicest, sweetest um, smile I could remem remember that I had. Um, so you know, how, um, you know how I was pregnant last year, right? And how you guys were afraid I would give birth in this office. It was like, ah, I remember. He was an expatriate staff, so he had this nice clipped British, British accent. Oh, yes, ah, you know. And I was like, yeah, 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 you know how it was, right, in the office. Ah, I said, you know, can you imagine how you guys would have felt if I had gone into the hospital and you heard that I had a baby and the baby didn't make it because there was no incubator? It was like, oh no, an incubator? Oh, come on, every hospital should have an incubator. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, but imagine a woman who carries this baby with such hope and with so many dreams. 
And she gets to the hospital and she delivers and they tell her that, sorry, the reason why baby died is because there is no incubator. I said, what does the baby care if it's government or if it's people? All baby wants to do is live. We need to help babies live. I was like, how much do you want? <laughs> and yes, water came out from the rock for me. And you know, I went home that day and just saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is the year of the yes. If I hadn't said yes, how would I have birthed all these other yeses that would happen? You know, there was this one year in the Elevation Church and God just wouldn't let me rest again about women and women and babies. And I just gathered a few women together. You know, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Women who are trusting God for the fruit of God. Let's just pray. Let's see what God will do. Let's just pray. And we'd come together every fortnight and we just pray and we just pray and we just pray together. And I just realized after a season that everyone who came together for that first meeting, um, I think it was about 12 women or so, of those 12, one of them is on her second child now. Um, I think save about three or so. Every one of those 12 women has her baby right now. And I thought to myself, okay, so if we hadn't stepped into that space, if we hadn't determined and decided that, you know what, God, this year, we, are, we are taking this yes. We are declaring and insisting that it is a yes for these people. What would have happened? So, so this has been my own journey of evolving, just simply choosing to run towards the things that should scare me, run towards the things I didn't think I had skill or ability or, you know, proficiency in, and just trusting that the Holy Spirit who called me would empower me, just choosing to grow thick skin to what I thought were my flaws, what I thought were my disadvantages, and choosing to look into the eyes of my fears and say, you know what, not today. I like stories, forgive me, I, lo I love stories. The last story I'll tell you is this one day, I remember in Daystar, in the choir. So in the year of yes, I said, okay, God, this is the year for yes. And so when the choir director was like, you know what, you're going to lead a solo, you're going to lead the choir in a solo. I couldn't do what I usually would do, which is make myself scarce or just simply tell him, no. It's the year of yes, we're going to do this. And I remember this one day, the choir was filing out. I was holding the microphone in one hand, and my heart was beating real fast, palpitating and everything. And I was like, Bola, hey, you are going to sing in front of this whole church. Everybody that was respecting you before, hope they will continue respecting you after this song. You know, and just in that moment, you know, the choir was filing out right there, and I was waiting for my you know, my moment to go up the stage. And I was watching that last person file out on that stage in front of me and getting ready myself to mount the stage. And the thought just flew over my head in a moment, in a flash. Who even sent you? Like, how dare you even think that you could conquer this fear of standing on a stage and not hiding behind someone else to make your point or to pass your message or to, to hope that their voices will cover the fact that you're shaking a little bit and your, your legs are wobbling a little bit. How, how would you even think that is for people like you? I could hear all of that just in that simple statement, who sent you? And just as that challenge flew over my head, almost right immediately, I just felt it in my heart, God saying, this isn't me, it's you. 
you need to take this. You need to challenge. Are you going to let it go like that? Are you going to let that word hang over your head just like that? And you know, in that moment, I understood that, Bola, you're fighting for your future and your destiny right now. And I just, in a moment, squared my shoulders. And this was just between me and the Holy Spirit and whatever demon had sponsored that word. I just squared. I, I, I imagine someone may have been looking at me from the congregation wondering, what's happening to this girl? But I just kind of squared my shoulders a bit and did like a double take. I said, who sent me? I'm going on the instruction of my father. He told me it's my year of yes, and I will go up on that stage. I will minister to these people, and lives will be changed. Who sent me? You will see who sent me today. And I went up on that stage that day, and I, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, the year of the yes. Nothing beats a word you get from God that just tells you that, you know what? I know the fears are there. I know the issues that try to drown your voice and make you feel like, you know, there is, there's no space for you. Everybody else has taken all the space and there's no more room for you. One thing God told me this year is, look, if I say you should go, there is room for you. It doesn't matter how many others have run ahead. If I say there is room, you get up and you go there. And as you step into it, the enlargement comes. As you step into it, then you realize that this, where was all this space? What, what, how come nobody else could see that there was this gap in the market? It's because he said, I have sent a word ahead of you. If I say there is room for you, there is room. And that's all you need to know. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I like stories. If we go on like this, um, I will tell you story after story. But maybe in the conversations and in the questions and answers, we'll be able to process some more. All right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, can we celebrate Pastor Bola? I'm already like, I can do with more story, Sha, but. <laughs> wow. Pastor Bola, that's amazing. Let me ask one question before. And we're not going to pass paper around. This is an intimate group of women. You are among sisters. So please feel free. You don't have to stand. You know, sit down where you are. The mic will come to you. You know, onboarding. Is there any word God told me? Says, I, the burdens will be lifted because I just feel like someone is carrying this weight of God, you won't let me go, almost like Jonah. You know, and until Jonah said, Okay, yes, you know, <laughs> I think that was when his relief came. You know, and he's holding you, Pastor Bola. You said the thread I see um, evolving from what you are saying is that every time we think about the purpose, what God has called us to do, we lose sight of me. It's no longer about me. It's, this is what God has asked me to do. He's asked me to reach out and bless and, you know, minister to someone. We lose sight of me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, for example. Um, so we hold this annual conference, women's conference, Made for More. Some of us are familiar with it and some of us may be hearing about it for the first time. Through the years, God had kind of whispered into my heart that you're going to have a women's conference. And I was kind of like, okay, God, you need to give me clarity. Oh, God, do we need another women's conference? Oh, my goodness. Oh, there's so many. Oh, God, I just don't want to gather women just because it's a fad. I don't want to do all of that. And it, would just, it just wouldn't go away. You know, it, it wouldn't go away. So in 2016, early in the year, I was just worshiping in my room. And I was singing that song, You're bigger than what people say, Jehovah. And just singing that song to myself. And then it was like, God said, you know what, stop. 
you are singing and it's beautiful. But I want you to just stop and sing that song to yourself. I, w I want you to sing it to yourself. And I was like, okay. I'm bigger than what people say. I'm bigger than what people say. And I was like, yeah. I need you to go and tell my daughters that. And I need you to hold this conference now. Tell my daughters that they are bigger than what the world says. They're bigger than what the billboards say. They're bigger than what the news tries to put on them. Tell my daughters that they're bigger. There's so much more to them. There's so much more to the daughters of God than has been carried about. If you look too long at what the world will try and put on you, you just feel so constricted and, and, and boxed into a corner. And God was saying, look into me for your definition. Your definition is not in all these things that put you in bondage. Your freedom is in me. Your definition is in me. And I was like, okay, cool. So that's it. The Made for More conference. We're made for more. God's daughters are made for so much more. And so on the strength of that word, then it became easy to gather women and say, okay, you know what? We're having a women's conference. Oh, how? I don't know. But we're having a women's conference. God said we're having a women's conference. You know, and this year we had the third. And with each year, it's grown bigger. But at the first one, for example, we, we ran on the strength of God said, we are made for more. We are bigger than what people say. At that conference, again, God released such a strong word. He said, I'm announcing the arrival of the daughters of Zelophehad. And with each progressive one, God has just made the vision bigger and clearer and just said something more that has allowed us to keep looking forward. Um, if, if you stay stuck in what I can't do, the only the, only the things I've been taught to do, the only things I've seen someone do, it, it, it can become like a chain of, you know, ju just keeping you stuck in one place. But every time you look up and lift your eyes to what God is saying, he's not, he's not taking permission from your frailties. Have you noticed? He would go to Moses, for example, and say, you stutterer, go and talk to Pharaoh. Hello. So go and be doing what? Singing rap for him. How? God didn't take permission from his frailties. He will, he's not going to take permission from the pain you've experienced. He's not going to take experience from the fact that sometimes you feel less than qualified. He's not taking permission from all of those things. He's just saying, you know what? I have called you, and if I have called you, that is enough. Because the one that calls you will empower you, and he will. As you journey along with him, he will empower you. He will give you the word to speak. He will give you exactly what you need for the journey he has called you to. Thank you so much, Pastor Bola. Who has questions? Is it Mike, please? Okay. Hello. Okay. Thank you very much for sharing. So I'll draw from the last point you made before you answered Pastor Oga's question. You were talking about when the enemy came to you with um, the voice. So um, words are words are powerful, and you know some things people say could actually damage one's um, sorry, could actually damage one's soul, emotions, and all of that. And my question is, how do you you know deal with constant backlash? So to give a vivid example, I'm. There was a time I got this very strong note to start putting things in my WhatsApp status. So sometimes putting things in in my WhatsApp status, scriptures. Sometimes I just share some few things and all of that. And I've had people say different things to me, as silly as 
oh, you're not going to get anybody to like you if you keep talking about God. And a friend of mine called me all the way from Ibadan. She says, oh, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, call me during lunch break. And she did call me, and that was a phone call that almost destroyed Broke me. your heart. <laughs> because I went for like two weeks, and I was just sad. She said so many things like, oh, anytime I try to talk to you, you are going to church. You don't even have money for transportation and you keep going to church. You know, she said things like, you're not going to get anybody to marry you. You know, you're always all about God. I'm not saying don't worship God or something. Find a balance. And she's not been the only one. Different things, different people being excluded at work being excluded from, you know, hang out with friends because they feel like this one likes God so much and she's going to cramp her style and all of that. So how do you deal do with, with that. that? So I've had comforts. I mean, as you were speaking, I mean, it, pictures are just flashing in my mind. I've had conversations with people, like you said, that leave you broken. I remember one, one vivid conversation I had um, a few years with someone. I remember... Um, we were face to face, and you know, she just had all this. Oh, da, 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 and she just wanted to un in 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 being real. And I don't want to code. I just want to tell you the way it is, and just telling you a piece of her mind. And on the strength of that conversation, I remember for like two weeks, just like you said, for like two weeks, I was still like, God, what just happened? I feel like someone just dumped a tank of toxic material on me. And I think 10 or 11 days into the two weeks, I just got up and I just thought to myself, you know what, this, this isn't you, Bola, this isn't you. You know, you can't do this. And I woke up early that morning, I think about 5 a.m., and I just went out of my house. Um, what, what works for me? You need to know what works for you when you, when you want to connect with God, when you, when you, when you really need to um, press in to hear something from the Holy Spirit. It's amazing for me that I allowed myself to stay under that cloud for 10 days. And you would think I would know better. And just went out early this morning. I said, you know what, God? I'm done with this. I'm done with carrying this baggage. Um, words can be heavy and words can almost bury you if you allow yourself to be buried under it. There's an old fable that I love. I love, to I love to tell the story again and again and again about this donkey that was in a hole. His, um, his owner felt he was too old and wasn't good for anything left, anything more. And um, I think they were out walking one day and then he fell into a hole. So rather than spend the energy and effort to pull the donkey out, the owner just thought, you know what, let's just leave him in this hole. Less effort to lose a bullet to kill him. Let him just die there. But the interesting thing is that as they began to shovel the sand back into the hole to just cuckoo bury the donkey and let him just be dear. First, the donkey began to cry and wail, look at my life, my life, look at me. Uh, you know, it's bad enough that I'm old and now I'm in this hole, you know, and all of that. Moaning about where he was. But he realized something after a while that if he could shake off the sand that was falling on him, falling on his head, falling on his back, if he could shake it off, the sand and the dust would fall to the ground and he could actually stamp on it. And with each time he shook that stuff off and stamped it down, he was rising higher. And you know, um, I had a friend back in school who just kind of put a song together. Um, shake it off, stamp on it, rise a little higher. If you're down, 
Just call on him and he will lift you higher. It's become a life mantra for me. There will always be stuff. I mean, unless you're going somewhere meaningful and purposeful. Or let me say it the other way. If you aren't going anywhere purposeful or meaningful, why should people throw sand on you? Why should people throw junk at you? People can only try, try to throw stuff at something or someone who is going somewhere or moving in a positive direction. So the very fact that you're a target for some of that toxic stuff just tells you that you're headed in the right direction. If you absorb too much of that junk, it will slow you down. It will keep you down. You need to learn the beauty of having thick skin. And I say this with, with a sense of responsibility. Thick skin, not so that you are cut off from people's needs. And there's a way you can become so thickened and hardened that you know what, I'm not going to face front. Nothing anybody says will get through to me. That's, the, that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. But thick skin from the point of view of, look, if God isn't saying it, I'm sorry, oh. I'm sorry, oh. Most sorry, gone. You are not the authority over my life. No one died and made you Jehovah. I know Jehovah and I meet with him on a regular. And in the middle of all this, what kind of gives you strength and helps you to do all of this is to have that vital connection. I mentioned to you that 10 days I carried that junk with me. And in those days, I mean, in that space of time, I would just say all these perfunctory prayers, just this, just um, anyhow, some prayers, hey, look at me suffering, God, I'm sorry, I, whatever. And just that morning, I woke up with this anger on my inside. Bola, is, this is not you. This is not who you are. You know what God has said about you. Get up out of this stuff. You need to get into God's presence and hear the names he calls you. I think it's Isaiah 43. I love, and I, the day I discovered that scripture, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He says, I have called you by your name. You are mine. It means that when you get into God's presence, there is a name he calls you. He didn't, he didn't, God has given us his name. You, you get what I'm saying? When you get born again and you take on the name of Jesus, we are named by the name of God. That's awesome on its own. But beyond that, he says, I have called you by your name. He has a name that is just you. Just you. Just you, as in my daughter, my babe. This is my name. I'm calling you this. And unless you are entering his presence to hear that name, on a daily, on a regular, on a constant basis. It's difficult to shut your ears to all of this stuff. So that will be my antidote to that kind of stuff. If God has already told you this is who you are, you are my beautiful, priceless jewel. And he sings it to you over, he sings it as a song over you over and again. It just inoculates you. You know how you get vaccinated as a child. They tell you if you get vaccine, ch chicken pox vaccine, you can't get it again. There's a way that hearing God call you by your name. It vaccinates you against a lot of this stuff. And it helps you to stand and just face front and keep going. There will be some things I will try and shake your stride. But if you're constantly going back into his presence and getting your validation from him, they will talk. That's their job. When the enemy is the enemy, it's his job. Will he leave his job because you know what I mean? It's his job. But it's your place to press into God and to hear the name he's calling you. And it's not so far-fetched. It's not this long, far thing that it's so hard to hear God. When you sit down and you talk with him, when you read the word, when you pray, 
it just, it, it just says stuff to you. It tells you you're a builder of nations. It tells you you're a mother of generations. And you're like, hey, just imagine Gideon threshing wheat in the wine press. Mighty man of valor. Who are they calling? <laughs> you, you get what I mean? Who? <laughs> but there is a way that God will call you a name. And it will hit you in your chest. And you'll know that, yeah, yeah. That's my name. That's my name. And you, and, you, and you enter the name. Enter the name that he calls you. First, enter his presence to get your name from God. And then enter that name. Wear it boldly. Paul would say we put on Christ. We wear him like a fine dress, like a designer dress. We wear him. Wear him proudly. Because you recognize who you are. Amen? Amen. 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 Sorry, Pastor Paul, I, I feel strongly I need to ask you this question. And yes. go back. I, I sense that there may be a young woman here who is probably being asked out by a pastor or about to get married to a pastor and she's saying, but God, this is me, incorporate me, working for this. I don't, I, 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 God, I can't. And, you know, and maybe the pastor is at a stage where ministry is not, it's not glamorous. So it's almost seeming like he's a struggling guy. What would you say to that to Okay, to that so lady? I'll say two things, okay? Um, I think what he's doing is still is, is a little bit secondary, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to um, downgrade what you are really contemplating right now. But what he's doing, his work, the work he's putting, he has in his hands right now, is still secondary. Who is he? Don't be carried away by the fact that he has that title, pastor. The man behind the pastor title who is he is he a kind person is he a loving person does he really fear god or is it just that there was nothing else to do and he's doing this pastoring thing for now you know to keep body and soul together that kind of thing so first evaluate him on the basis of who he is don't 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 get high on the fact that he's, I knew girls back in school, for example, who said that they are, they are only going to marry a pastor. Me, Amy Bola, that I knew my mother at home, who had told me that Bola, to balofe pastor, ebiakwe. I wasn't looking for a pastor. I wasn't even. It wasn't even my life ambition or goal. Hallelujah. So when the man of God began to do that dance, I like you dance around me. I was like, eh, <laughs> Mrs. Ajidan will not allow this kind of thing to happen. But. We could be friends at first, and I could evaluate him on the basis of what kind of person is he. If you evaluate him and you recognize this kind of person I can do life with, I can, I can contemplate having a future with, first do that. Don't let the pastor thing be the first um, criteria. First, who is he? Is he kind? Is he really born again? Mm. Is Pastor born again? Mm. Yes. Evaluate all of that because I've counseled with, counseled with so many young women who are like, ah, oh, he said he was a pastor and I married him, thinking my life would be good. I said, uh, he will. I'm sorry. Not everyone who calls, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Not everyone who calls the name of the Lord really is the Lord. And these really are evil days. I, I, I can't, I would be, I would be shortchanging you if I didn't put that on the table. All right. There are sheep in 
wolf's clothing and you need the spirit of discernment you need the holy spirit to help you to discern and to know who is truly the lord and who isn't okay so that's on the one side on the other side the fact that look i'm this corporate woman yes he's an okay human being yes i know he's he's a good person but ah this pastoring of a sin i'm not sure that it's my calling so when i met my husband i was serving um, I mentioned to you earlier that I grew up in Zaria, came to Lagos for service here, NYSC, and in the course of going to Desta, I met this young, dashing, awesome young man. I still remember to the day I was there for one of the membership development schools. I think I'd already done membership because I was already in the choir at the time. And I was there to attend my class, Sister of God. I came to attend class, and I just saw this young man walking past me with his nice, cute bow legs. <laughs> and teacher was teaching, and I was following him with my eyes like that. Hey, sister, you have backslided. I'll be backsliding. I'll be backslided. I don't know which one. I'm like, leave this man now. Face your class and do your thing. <laughs> but I just kind of put it aside. But as he was walking past me that day, you know, I just knew there was something. I just followed him with my eyes. I just knew there was something, Sha. And I heard a word in my heart, and that's a good man. That's a good man. That's all I heard. I didn't hear that to be your husband. You will have babies for him. Not of that. That's a good man. That's all I heard. So like a few weeks after, this was weeks after, I didn't go out of my way to try to meet him, to try and make sure that our steps, our um, paths collided. We met somehow, and long story, long story, but let me address the question. Now, at the point where I met him, he was already a pastor. He was, that, he was, he was doing his life's assignment. So I couldn't even say that. Oh, when we met, he wasn't even a pastor. And now he said he wants to, now he wants to destroy our life. He, said, he didn't tell me. It wasn't part of the bargain when we started. Uh -uh. He was pastor when I met him. And I knew already that I was going to have a battle on my hands with my mother. Because she in particular was like, oh, the history I have seen does not encourage me. You know, but the f I'm thankful now that the first thing I settled was, he's a good man. He's, he is born again and he does love God. Can I see myself serving God with him and loving God with him? And do I see him as someone who wants to grow and not just stay in the same, pot, in the same place and use God as an excuse to stay stuck? He struck me as someone who was committed to improving himself. He struck me as a person who wanted to hear my opinion, you know? There's some relationships that you see now, and everything is, God said this, so your opinion doesn't matter. And you're like, let's talk about this. Me too, I have the spirit of God. Let us. Uh -huh. He struck me as someone that I could do life with. So then the question of getting him to be acceptable in, first of all, my circle of friends. I had to talk to myself about that. And I won't try and pretend like it wasn't a... a, a tough conversation with myself. I had to settle it first with myself. Mother was still secondary. Me, I was the biggest principality in the matter. I had to settle it first with myself. So Bola, what's it going to feel like taking him to the office? So everyone else at work is all GQ with their Charles Terwitt shirts and the nice ties and you know and looking all of that. And here's my pastor husband who was earning less than me as a copper. As a copper I was earning more than him. And I had to ask myself, 
you have to be okay with that. Bolarin, why you really have to be okay with that. And I had to process all of that. And I'm so grateful for the word God gave me in that season. He told me that you can't marry someone who is just going to be okay for this season of your life. Or who seems to just match this season of your life. You have to marry someone who will be good for every season of your life. So the guys who look all packaged and nicely put together. And they spoke in nice clipped uh, you know, um, 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 accents and looked very nice on the surface. After a few months of working with them, I realized that the person I will marry this person, we cry. <laughs> we cry. The ones that would go clubbing all night, Friday, Saturday, come in on Monday morning, discussing escapades. Or should I even go deeper? And the one who girls would call them on the office line, abusing them for passing an STD to them. Yeah. For real, this happened. I received that phone call. Nice hunk, 6'4", GQ type somebody, nice car and everything, six-figure salary to go with it, but with pain and cry, for what? So I had to settle it with myself first, that I was okay, I was okay working with someone who even though he didn't seem to cut the picture of this season of my life, I was willing to be patient, to wait for the seasons to unfold and to trust God that things would become beautiful as they progressed. It was okay. I, and in that conversation with myself, I settled it. Bollering why you're going to pay house rent. Bollering why you're going to pay school fees. Bollering why you're going to pay whatever needs to be paid. And you're going to cover this family for as long as you need to cover this family. However, however, and this was the biggest thing for me, you're not going to settle. You're going to keep pushing, pushing him and pushing yourself. You're not going to agree that this will be the cap of how far you can go. So the first mortgage we took, I remember, we had four different mortgages on our heads then to buy the house. I told him, we wrote it down before we got married, that in our fifth year of marriage, we want to own our own house. So it's time. We're going to look for a house. And I went with my boss then. My boss was house hunting, and I joined myself. Me too, I'm looking for a house, sir. He said, yes, I'm looking for a house. He said, now I go. We must. He said, go. We must get it. And we got to HR, and they told me what I was allowed, what I could get. There was a staff loan. There was a personal loan. There was an emergency loan. There was a commercial loan. I took it. I said, give me all. And at the time, I remember, this was a few years into our marriage. At that point in time, my husband, besides getting his salary from the church, he had begun to just try his hands on businesses here and there. And his uh, monthly salary at the time came to just about 220,000 naira per month. I remember then. By the time he gathered in all these other royalties from there, you know, incomes from here and there. And one of the loans, the one loan he took, meant he had to make a payment of 200,000 naira every month. Now, I was carrying all the others. The other ones were like multiples of that one. So I'm not trying to say that I put all the load on him. I was carrying like the other three. He had that one. But I remember looking at it on paper that day and thinking, ah, Bolarin, are you sure you will not absorb this one too? How does a man earning 220K carry 200K um, burden every month? And I just felt a sense of release. Push him into it. It's okay. Let, let, him, let, him, be, let him rise up as a man and man up into it. And I remember that there would be months I would see him and I'd be like, God, help this man. Hold this man. Strengthen this man. But it's amazing to see how he grew over that space of time. 
in that period of time, I remember there were no frills in my house. No frills, no frills. We scrimped and saved everything. I remember going once to the legal department to sign some documents, and I overheard some young women speaking. They didn't know it was me at the time. That, eh? Because at the time, I said I was carrying three of the loans. He was carrying one. You know, and they were like, hey, hey. And I was asking myself, okay, it's me. But I know the God that is backing me up. I know we can do this. I know we can do this. And just that sheer gangster <laughs> effort and just trusting that the God who was backing us up would not let us fall helped us. And we were able to pay down that, I think, 20-year mortgage in about seven years, eventually. But one thing I realized was that the hymn that came out of that process was so much stronger than the hymn that started. By the time I went up to my mom, sorry, I forgot this part of the story, and told my mom that, look, oh, this is the person I'm going to marry. I had so, I had so, I'd seen such a picture of our future that there was nothing that could kind of pull away from that. So I just told her, look, this is the man I'm going to marry. She's like, ah, hey, pastor, hey. I'm like, calm down, calm down. You will celebrate me. I was, I was giving her such, such lyrics, such vibes that day. I still remember the day he came to Ibadan to see my parents. I had to go and pick him at the bus stop. Hallelujah. Amen. And I had prepared my mother's mind. This man, I'm going to marry you. Be nice, so. Yes, he's a pastor. Be nice, so. She's like, eh, I'm sorry to the non yoruba speaking people. I've just been rapping on. Forgive me. I'm sorry. All of this I'm saying is just to say that she had said that she was convinced that if she didn't like him, that's the end. There's nothing I could say. And I was like, you don't understand. We've prayed on this matter. He's my husband. Took him at him, you mind yourself when you enter my mother's presence. You mind yourself well. And we entered and the rest, they say, is history. Now, I know it can be really scary to imagine what kind of life does God have ahead of me if I'm going to. The person I'm looking at right now doesn't seem to be the kind of man I wanted to marry. Evaluate it from those two levels. First, who is he? If you strip away the pastor title, is there a real man? What's the measure of the man if you take away the pastor title? What's the measure of that man, that person, without the pastor title? If the weight of that is strong, good, take that. The other conversation you need to have with yourself about, look, um, can I go through this season, waiting for the next season of life? You need to build your faith about that and trust that God can give you a man who will grow to whatever level, every level that God has intended and planned for him. Amen? All right. Someone had a question over there. I'm so sorry. Okay, thank you very much, Ma. Um, it's been an awesome evening. God bless you over and over again. So while you were speaking, I, I thought about something. In fact, I was really laughing here when you said it because that happens to me like every time. So you were talking about um, the, the part where you were in your room and then you'd be preaching <laughs> to yourself, like just imaginary. You're saying something to the mirror. And I even had that again this morning, just before I left my house. So um, how were you able to work with that? Because sometimes I feel like 
maybe I'm in the bus and then I'm seeing something and several times I'm like, oh God, please don't show me anything again. I don't want to see. But that happens a lot, a lot and a lot with me. Okay, I would um, make reference to one particular one. One night I had a dream and um, I saw a very large crowd. So I'm not sure maybe because I sing. <laughs> so I saw someone very, um, a very a major music minister in Nigeria. I saw her and then she handed the mic over to me. And then when I, while she was giving me the mic, I sort of like tried to turn my back like, you, you can't be the one giving me this mic. You don't understand. I know who you are. I know your name. You're not just known in Nigeria. You're known all over the world. So why would you be the one giving me the mic? So I tried to, I was trying to shy away from it. And she told me, come, this is it. So when I woke up, I was like, God, this is, and the, the amount of people I saw was, I couldn't count them. So every time, you know, that keeps happening. So I want to know how, you handled I think you need to treasure those um, those pictures that God gives you document them where you can and as you document them and as you pray concerning them um, so there is the prophecy side you know to ministry and your work of ministry with God God is speaking these words and making these pictures come alive in your heart document them but at the same time, go back carefully and do a forensic study, you know, of those dreams. Who was the person? Okay, what, where is she right now? Learn all you can about that person. What does it take to do ministry at that level? Begin to, begin to understudy her, even though you've never met her. When David was at the backside of the wilderness, just singing and writing psalms, I don't know if he ever imagined that we would still be reading his psalms how many years after? I don't know if he even imagined that they would want, they would call him at some point to come and sing to this king who was having brain touch. I don't know if he even imagined that he himself would even sit on that throne at some point. He was killing lion, killing bear. He didn't know what it was for. He just knew that he couldn't stay ordinary. And he was understudying a king he had never met. Protecting sheep the way he was going to protect Israel. You, you get what I'm saying? I'm saying where you are right now, Begin to understudy those pictures and those dreams that God has given you. Don't wait until the door opens. At the point where the door opens, it is that opportune time. You can't be getting ready at that time. You have to be ready before that time. Spend the time. Do the work now in the night season. Prepare for that place, even though it doesn't look like a door is opening. Because if it's about doors opening, God is able to open a door. Like that. Like that. Bigger doors than we even know have opened in a flash in a moment. So God is able to open doors. Do the work of preparation now, even though it doesn't yet look like the doors are opening. Does that help? Okay. I'm trying to be brief so that we will leave here. Hello. Good evening. Okay. Hi. Hi. So um, I have a question about, well, okay, my question is, do you get tired you know, with, all the time. <laughs> so how, what, what do you do? How do you not give up? How do you not, you know, just let go of everything? Okay, so this, this, um, this answer, um, it's not a spiritual answer for me, okay? Um, on this one, my husband and I have butted heads many times. This may just be a temperament or a personality trait that is just 
you know, just, just, I, I, I tend to be able to gauge my strength. And I seem to, I don't know how, how I learned to do that, um, but I, I gauge my strength and I know just when I'm approaching reserve. And at that reserve point, I just cut off. I'm sorry, it's not spiritual. I'm sorry. And like I said, my husband and I are still tugging because he's like, no, you have to do this. I'm like, I'm done, babe. I'm done. <laughs> Today, I'm done. The next thing is eat and sleep. Nothing more. Nothing else is entering here. It is sleep. And he just couldn't get it that when we first got married, he just couldn't get it that, look, once I hit that point, nothing else is getting through. We used to fight. Yeah, I'm dragging out the fight about it back in the day. Now, now we're not fighting as much. He still doesn't get it, but he has um, learned to somehow sharp. <laughs> but I, I seem to be able to, to, ha to have that gauge meter. Um, so I'm learning now, not to even wait until I get to see that gauge, to see ahead that, okay, you know what, Bola, you need to pace yourself. You need to, you need to pace yourself and ensure that you don't use up all the strength that should be reserved for your family at work. Um, counseling after counseling after counseling. This, oh, I said I wasn't going to tell any more stories, so we'll make it brief. Last story. This one day, it had been this long day at work and I was just ready to unplug and go home. And I just hear that there's this person who wants to see. I'm like, is there no other pastor around? Nobody, just you. Hey, that should tell you something. I'm the last pastor, last, last man standing in this office. Go home now. But they're like, no, he needs to see someone. And I'm like, okay, bring him in. And this man, man, I, I, I mean, I kid you not, this man, that tall, that hunky, that big, came into my office and just broke down and began to cry about issues he was dealing with. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, you have to give me strength. Because if it is this strength, nothing, dear. And I, told, and I told him, I was very honest with him that, you know what, today has been a really long day for me, but I know how I gain strength when I get to this point. I just worship. Would you just worship with me for a moment? And that's all I did with this young man in my office for 30 minutes. We just sang and we praised and we sang and we praised, and by the time we were done, I could feel that something had lifted in the atmosphere. And he just hugged me and said, I'm okay, thank you. And he went home. So I don't do more than myself. I didn't have any energy to be listening to what is doing you, what is encounter, okay, the 10 steps to digging yourself out of an emotional pit. I couldn't do it that night. Let's just worship God, and, and that's what we did that night. So I don't know if that kind of answers the question and helps. Okay. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. I love you too. <laughs> love you know. <laughs> okay, my question is sort of twofold. Okay. I've always sort of wondered about all the pastors in Nigeria okay. and how it's always pastor and pastor misses okay. for the most part. Okay. Is it that the women also have a calling into ministry okay. or are they calling to ministry by extension? By extension. Right. Like, for example, when you quit your job, was it yeah. because God called you or was it because you married Pastor Godman? Okay. So let me quickly talk about that. When I left FCMB, so my husband had jokingly, I say it jokingly because I chose to see it as a jokingly. <laughs> Yeah, I'd been saying it from like um, our fifth or sixth year in marriage that at some point you're going to need to leave this and come into ministry. And I was like, are you saying it or is God saying it? Because right now God isn't saying it. And as long as God isn't saying it, 
Yeah, my man of God, though, but hang it, hang it, <laughs> you know. But somewhere around my maybe 12th year, 11th, 13th, 12th, 13th year in the bank, I just began to have this staring in my heart. And honestly, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't God saying, thou shalt leave this banking job and come take up the mantle of, it wasn't like that. It was just a sense in my heart that the seasons were changing. The seasons were changing, and if I stay where I am, I won't even see it. I will miss my opportunity if I stay where I am. That was just the sense I kept getting. So when I, when, when I left um, the bank, for example, I didn't immediately go into ministry. I ran, um, I started a business for that year, for that first year. In the second year, I began to volunteer with the church, and it wasn't only until the third year that I that it had settled in my heart that, yes, this is absolutely what you need to be doing, all right? And I was, I was quite happy at some point to actually go back into paid employment. In fact, I think I remember one day I, I drove myself to Tokwe's office one day, and I was sitting across from him, I'm like, oh, you know what, I'm considering going back into paid employment. I'm, I'm just in that place where I'm still praying it through and trying to figure stuff out. Um, so I, I can't speak for everyone, um, whether every pastor's wife is a pastor. I don't think every doctor, Mrs. Doctor is a doctor herself. It's not really by marriage. Um, I think you also have to have a sense of calling, but then I can't speak for every pastor's wife. Um, in the first few years of this ministry, for example, while, while I was still trying to prove what God was telling me, all I knew God said to me was sing in the choir, and I was happy to do that. It was okay for me. If God had said, you know what, you will never hold a microphone and speak on this stage, you will simply sing in the choir, I was happy. I was joyfully doing it, embracing it as my calling in life. It was okay. All right, and I think we, we need to come to that place of um, confidence in God that everything he tells you to do is perfect and complete. You don't have to be a particular thing to feel called of God. All right. That's first part. Second part, how do you, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. <laughs> how do you stay humble? How do you deal with the pride? So I've just done ministry for one year. I had my whole God experience last year. And so sometimes you get like messages, oh my God, you blessed me, oh my God, you know, things like that. And I actually had to take a step back because it was getting to me like my head was swelling, literally. And someone in your position, you know, there's a whole church, there's even a sister church, now there's a lucky center. How do you deal? How do you still stay a bride of Christ and not just a worker of God? Um, you can't. You 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 can't. You can't um, allow yourself to be isolated. You can't allow yourself to be only in circles with people who, like, you know, adore. Someone said adore. Adore wasn't going to be my word, but that just kind of fits. It's a nice word. Uh -huh. You can't only put yourself in those circles. You, you, you need to literally court those experiences that remind you that um, God could have picked anybody. But he chose you. He chose you, yeah, but he could really honestly have picked anybody else. One of those awesome experiences for me, and I treat it almost like a, a mecca, you know, of sorts, a pilgrimage of sorts every year, is the Wimbis Conference. You go into that room full of women who have accomplished stuff. Oh, there's no better way for me to keep me humble 
than to be in a room like that. Women who have sat on all kinds of platforms and moved all kinds of initiatives, you get into a room like that, you're like, Holy Spirit, ah, you can do more with my life. You can do more with my life. So just keep staying hungry. This is just the beginning of what God can do with you. It's just the beginning. And I try as well to surround myself with a cloud of witnesses. It's a virtual cloud. It's not a, it's not a real, it's not a, you know, but a virtual cloud. I literally every day remind myself that Saul had opportunities just like me. Michael, how many people remember Michael? Michael, had, she was the daughter of a king, married to a king. And the only, the way the Bible ends her story was she never had a child or the rest of her life. Psh, finish. How does, how does someone with such promise end up like that? She's in my cloud of advisors. Oh yeah, sit down there, Michael. Just be advising me. I will not end like you. I will not end like you. So you surround yourself with those and immerse yourself in situations where you, you, you stay hungry. You, you're like, God, you know what? If you tell me today that the next thing to do is this, I'm good with it. If I will never hold a microphone again, I'm, I'm okay with it because I love you more than I love the ministry. I love you more than I love the work you're giving me to do. I love you more than I love the trappings of the office. Give me you, I have everything. You have to stay hungry for him. That's the only way. Good evening. Thank you. Okay, good evening, Pastor. Um, so the question I have is centered around relationship. So you said something about preparing, like waiting if you haven't gotten to a particular level, you should keep waiting on God, studying and building, literally. So in this course of building, is it okay to involve a man in your life? Um, because I've, I've spoken to some people about it, like, okay, I think I would rather wait than be involved with someone. Let me just use this process to wait on God and see where he's leading me. But then I also hear from people that say, the thing, the replies I get is, why does it, is it necessary, like, can the guy not even help you build? Especially when you've seen somebody that can help you. I really love your question. I, I, I really, really love your question. Um, because the question of, okay, so there's this purpose. So what about the enabler to this purpose? I heard someone tell me many years ago that one of the, one of the most important career decisions you will make is who you marry. And I didn't understand it at the time. But now, after all these years, almost 20 years of now processing it, I see that she was spot on. Um, I've met people who um, got married, found someone at the beginning, at the stage of there's nothing even on ground, and it worked out well. I found people who were on the other end of the spectrum, and it didn't work out well. But I think the one thing I can pull out and say that regardless of um, where you choose to start from with a man, whether relationship or whatever is, be very honest about what you know that God is telling you. Be very, very honest. Put it on the table. And as you're putting it on the table, you are insisting that he speaks as well. Because sometimes when I tell someone like, ah, I feel God is sending me to the nations, or I feel like God is giving me a message that will mean that I will go from country to country spreading the word. When you're in a romantic space, sometimes you can hear it, but it will just fly. <laughs> you're not putting two and two together that somebody has to cook for these children while you are off, you know, doing wishes, you know, and saving the world from the sins and all of that. Help him. I think what I'm saying really is, you know, I don't think you have to wait until things fully form. 
you can meet someone, but be very, be painfully honest about where you think God is taking you. And even where it seems like he's not really connecting the dots and making the connection, to help him see that this is what it means, though. This is honestly what it means. And ensure that he himself is sharing sharing his vision, sharing his goals, sharing how he sees himself connecting, how he sees your two visions connecting as the years go, all right? Because I agree with you, who you marry is pivotal to how far you can run. I've met women who had to basically shut that door of ministry just because of the choice of who they married. And it's not just ministry, even in business. I was in a meeting. I was speaking in a meeting last year with this woman. She was my co-speaker. We were speaking together. She broke down and started crying. By the time she remembered the fact of how her father basically crippled her mother's business and refused to let her fly. And she was passionately appealing to the women in the room, be careful before you choose, oh. It's not marry or die. It's, you, know, you know what I mean? It's not It's eh. <laughs> Don't just pick anybody and say, hey, thank God, you know, thank God I have married. It's not like that. There is purpose in this thing. And the purpose is really important, okay? You can meet someone, even, even as things haven't fully formed, but be very honest with him where you're going. And ensure that he, 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 he gets a, 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 a good sense of the purpose that is burning inside you. Okay? okay. Hi, Pastor Bola. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Oh, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, earlier you spoke about fear and how you tried to shake it off. That was a very good um, analogy. But um, my question is, sometimes I struggle with things that I know that God has called me to do and how I feel like sometimes it's quite bigger than me. So how do you, practical ways of how you actually overcome those fears to like be the person you know that God has called you out to be and just like walk out of that you know how you said there's this lion in you just waiting to come out so how do you actually break down those fear and those barriers around you to actually walk into the purpose god has called you for okay thank you that's that's really a beautiful question but right now i'm beginning to feel like um there are a few women in the room actually that can actually speak to these things um can i share is it okay if i share if i share can i share the seat i mean yes, share the space is it okay yes. talk about please can you come um, Pastor Busola, can you come, please? I, I'd really love um, for you guys to speak into this. So I'll, I'll just I'll just say something really small, and then I'll pass the microphone on and um, let them also speak into it. Um, so shaking stuff off and then running towards the things you fear. Um, if you have a background like mine, um, I just realized at some point in my life that I was too fearful. Fearful of little things, fearful of things that didn't even need to be feared. Paula, where did you even get this from? I don't know. But I just realized that I was, there was just so much fear bundled into me. And until I began to actually run towards the things that scared me and say, you know what? Like those um, four lepers the Bible refers to and said that, look, if we go back, there is hunger in the city. If we go forward, the Syrian army will kill us. But it's not only to die. It's just die. Only die. And die is only die. You literally have to become that way and commonize the things you fear. Commonize the things you fear. Reduce them to like, is that all? Is that the worst that can happen? But what's the best that can happen? I can achieve purpose. I can become a better me. The true me can really begin to shine. And people can really see that God is in the midst of her. You know? So, so move towards those things you fear. 
step into it. There's no other way to conquer the fear than to step into it. All right? Speak to the question. How do you, how do you, how do you, okay. how do you eat liver? Okay, um, my answer, some of the things that I would, well, I was going to say some of the strategies, but I just realized that they are not, um, I'm not sure they are strategies like that. Maybe, so maybe strategy is not the word to call them, but when I get those bigger than me, um, when I have those bigger than me moments, our temperaments are very similar, actually. And, you know, it's only, <laughs> Pastor Tokpa is the only one <laughs> fierce like that. I run. I run. In fact, um, thank God for the enablers. So, the, I mean, the biggest enabler is my husband. When I share these things with him, he then takes them and blows them up and scares me even more. <laughs> so I'm like, you're not helping me here. Because what you do is, I then write it in a book, and I'm looking at the thing, sometimes six months, and guys, trust me, sometimes years, I'm staring at it, and I'm, I'm too scared to venture out. However, I learned something in my work with God a couple years back, and it's that when God has an assignment, when there is a gap, and he needs his will done on earth, it's a privilege when he reaches out to you. But when you don't get up and move in his time and in his season, you know, he would look for someone else to get the job done. Not because you are any less um, his child, but because he needs stuff done on earth. So when I learned that, it humbled me that. So it's not about me. God would walk with me in spite of my insecurities and my fears but what is important is that I need to yield so for me it's been a journey of yielding a lot of things that I do I find myself doing I promise you I do with a lot of trepidation and fear in my heart in fact I one of the enablers around me is Pastor Godman Pastor Idris they push me and put me out there because if you leave it to me I will be carrying wires I would be, I'm telling you, those are the things that I am comfortable doing, just serving. But for my own journey has been more, God sees my heart that I will do anything for him. So when he gives me this very grand task, I said, God, you know the daughter that you have. So you had better begin to bring the support system that will help me, you know, and prod me in that direction. And of course, with that constant reminder that, look, if you will not move, I will find someone else who will get the job done. Yes, still my child, I love you, but I need my will done on earth. And it has to be done at a certain time. I will not wait for your timing. Sometimes we enjoy um, grace. I've, I know that there are certain things that I should have acted on, maybe some period back or before and Eventually, when I'm acting, when I'm, I know it's, I've just simply enjoyed grace and mercy, you know, to still be privileged to be used um, in that direction. 
So it's a constant yielding to, a constant daily dying to self for me and reminding myself that it's not about me ultimately. It's that God's will be done here on earth and that I'm in partnership with him. It's a privilege to be used by him. God bless you. Um, so I think very early um, I went through an experience, a very unpleasant experience, and I suppose that was a turning point in my life. Um, I had this contractor who um, had been working with me for a while, and we had become like family. And in the course of the night, I saw that he lost his wife, and she was expecting. And I didn't know what to do with the information, you know. Um, I was I was scared, you know. I prayed about it, but you know, and I just said it won't happen. And I got to the next day. I called him and I said to him, "So so and so." I didn't say it explicitly. I said, um, "I think you need to pray more, and I think you need to go to your pastor to pray." You know, over. You see, I said it very. It didn't carry any weight, and it was less than 48 hours. He called me, and all I could hear on the phone was, you should have told me the truth. He said, you said it, but why did you lie to me? You should have told me the truth, and he was screaming into the phone. And I broke down where I was, you know, because I just felt, if God gave you something to say, it is not your place to begin to question it or to it's to do everything that you can, either as an intercessor and understanding what your role is. Yeah. And so, you know, speaking about God giving you assignments, um, it's an honor, a privilege, but it is also one that, especially if we want to grow in this walk, you cannot not do your assignment. You cannot not get the test and pass the test. Yeah. So getting accustomed to having assignments that are bigger than you is the whole, because if it is not bigger than you, then it is you. You know, if it is, doesn't look daunting, then, then you can do it. Yeah. But when it looks big, when it looks daunting is when you know that you need the help of God. And it's only God who can see you through. And I think that is like the safest place when you look at something and you're certain God sent me. Now, the question typically for me is, is it mine? So that is actually where I, I personally have issues. It is not once I know that my name is written on a task. Come on. I'm running. But the question is often, is that task for me? Is it for me to share with someone? Is it for me to own by myself? What exactly is my role in this task? And asking God to please, and he's such a merciful God, you know, he would break it down. But when God has given you explicitly, he's told you, and we're still careless about it. I don't know how I'd feel as a parent when I leave instructions, fry plantain, and bring out beans. Well, that's actually what I told them to do at home today. <laughs> You know, I don't know how I'd feel if I get home 
and it's not done. I see it as an insult. I see it as, I mean, and sometimes that's how I imagine it, that God gives you this assignment and, you know, it's just, I'll do it at my convenience. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it should work. Yeah. So. Thank you. I have a question. Praise God. I think, I mean, it's said it all, but I'll wrap up with, I, I know what it feels like to feel fear when God calls you to do something. It's, I know fear. <laughs> but um, one time I had to analyze and I felt God asked me, why are you afraid? And when I was sincere with myself, the question, the, the answer was because I'm afraid of failing. I don't want to fail God. I don't, I mean, give me a tax at work. I mean, I'm trained for it. Come on, I'll do it. I'm not afraid because I know I'm equipped to do this. But then when it comes to ministry and something that feels, like you said, above you, the, the, the root of the fear is you don't want to fail. And God told me, every time you do that, you remove me from the equation. Because it's not your strength and capability versus that tax. It's me walking through you to do that. And every time I remember that it is not about me. He's calling you. I think remove you from equation sometimes because when god asks you to do something it's not because he wants to make you feel good per se that's not the primary reason you will feel good serving god you will but there's someone he's calling you to reach out to and he's equipping you philippians 2 13 says he walks in us to will and to do you won't if it's about you yes you will fail if it's about god you won't Praise God. Thank you so much for that question. And thank you so much for directing it in that aspect where you say, is it for me? And just the fear of, because for me, I guess one part, one issue I've had is, so God said something and maybe I didn't, I didn't hear it or I misinterpreted it. And so I feel like ah, maybe God didn't say that and it was my misinterpretation. And that fear cripples and say, is, when God tries to say something, they're going to be like, is it you that is saying it or is it me that is thinking it? Or am I getting, I'm not, God, is this what you are saying or is this what I'm hearing? Because it might be what you're saying might be different from what you are hearing. How do you get that clarity? That's one. That question came because of what you said. Um, my, my main question is about the practicality of working in ministry or being married to a minister or doing anything in ministry. And it has to do with the administrative and the financial part. Especially, I, I was so taught when you explained the finances of the early stage. It's serious because in this, um, climate that we find ourselves, especially with finances and women bearing so much financial burden. And I know that finance is one of the major causes of marriage breakdown and all. How do you set, you know, how do you arrange all these things? You're going to do ministry, your partner is going to do ministry, but the money needs to flow and we need money to work around to do other things. How do you set those structures, systems and process in such a way that your ministry is working fine, your house is going fine, or your business? So I'll speak to the second question and I'll let um, the lady speak to the first part. So when we first got married, for example, in spite of the fact that I earned a lot more than my husband, he still said, you know what, um, let's make a budget for our household, what we think we will spend every month. Um, at the time, I think we came up with like maybe a 25K budget, something like that. And he said, okay, me, I will do 15K, you do 10K. Even, even then, at the point where he was earning so much less than me, he was determined to be the responsible leader of his home. 
you know, but when we had other projects to do, maybe we needed to do some capital projects, you'd be like, ah, babe, how far? You know, we, we both understood that, look, we need to work together as a team. But just that alone spoke to me. Just, just saying that, you know what, I will supply the lion's share of what it takes to feed us and to put electricity in this house and make sure we have water. It spoke volumes to me. It let me know that um, he, he was looking forward to a growth phase in his life. It helped me know that um, he was willing to step into um, that place of responsibility, however small our beginning was at that time. On the second hand, I myself, um, there, there are things I had to sow into, the levels we enjoy now that I know I had to sow into. From the first time I fully got an understanding of um, percentage giving, tithing to God, God and I had a conversation. And I was like, ah, God, if 10% is the barest minimum, me and you, we know we can't do barest minimum. Me and you. With where I think you're taking me and where I think we're going, we're going to need to step it up. And from the very beginning, I had distanced myself from 10%. It was 20% or nothing. You know, so I, I had settled it many years, even before I met my husband, that we will not lack. We will not suffer deprivation. Even as we go through seasons, different seasons in our life, just trying to make things work and all that, I was confident that I was walking in covenant with a God who was able to do so much more than we could see. And one of the things I had told my husband earlier is, look, the, if God says at any point in time, whole salary, three-month salary, six-month salary, it's not going to be a problem. Are we agreed? We'll shake on it because we are given to God. We will drink Gary you know, before we will go against something God says. And we had proved it again and again and again together. Um, so you, you need to personally have your own faith walk with God. You, you yourself need to have your faith building um, partnership with God. But in the practical things of how this family runs, how this family goes, and all of that, um, allow him to be the man. L let him step into his role and be the man, even in the small, even in the beginning, even where everything looks like it's still being formed and all that. It's in the days of tashere, small, small things that we really know the content of your heart, you know? So that in this season of life where we're in now, you know, I mean, we're, we're light years away from where we started from, you know. We contemplate all kinds of projects now and we step into it without fear, without... Um, at the beginning, it was a lot different. But we set principles from the very beginning. Accountability from the very beginning. No frivolous from the very beginning. And because we both understand each other, we understand our money um, personality it's easier to work together in financial matters. Um, and I hear you about needs and what you need to run the home and all of that. You, you need to be building your faith in finances personally. You, personally. You have to understand God as Jaira, personally. All right, and see him come through for you 
personally and work things on that, okay? Does that help? How do you know your thoughts? How do you filter it? How do you know if it is God really speaking to you? Hmm, I'm still on that road. I'm not there yet, you know. Um, but my approach with God has always been that of a father. Okay? So I was born Anglican, and for some reason, God just seemed very rigid and very stern and very regimented in the way you worshipped and approached him. But the, 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 the more mature I got, I realized that when I adopted God as my father, and you know, I, I dare say this, that the way you, we relate with our earthly fathers actually has a lot to do with our spiritual fathers, um, our heavenly father. And I want to use this. So my, my father is very um, conversational. My dad can call three times a day. He texts you. He'd say, I love you. That's my dad. But my father is not very financially responsible. Okay? And I carried that into my relationship with God. And so it was easy for me to have conversations you know, when anytime I read the word, I just see things jumping at me. That's God talking to me. But then when it became doing things, all right, I had been so let down by my earthly father that it was something that I needed to grow into, you know. But that's why God is such a loving father because he knows where you're coming from, all right? And so for me, God settled it, right? He, he gave me, he, he did some things, bang, 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 so that I could tell that, no, no, no. If your earthly father dis disappointed you, no, 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 I'm not like that. And so you need to understand your limitations and the reasons why you feel, did I hear right? Did I not? It's you second guessing because when your earthly father calls you on the phone, you kind of know that that's my dad, 0802 312 Do you understand? That's how the kind, with your relationship with God, there's still some, but to a large extent, you know when God is clearly speaking. And when we've reached that place where 70, 80% of the time, you know that this is a message from your father. But something else I want to add is this. Um, I've, I've been to school recitals for my children, and my children did not really learn. So maybe they were meant to recite a poem. My children did not really learn it. So they get on stage, and they go, um, if it's supposed to be twinkle, twinkle, little, that twinkle, twinkle, then they look around. Do you understand, all right? But as their mom, I, you know, you see me clapping. Do you understand? And normally she'd be like, Iran, one Do you get my point? But the parental instinct is to cheer your child. It's not different with God. So he just does not tell you something and then he just leaves you to figure it out. 
You have someone who is cheering you because he wants you to do this. Do you understand? And so he's going to keep, if you enter the, this relationship with God, having that at the back of your mind, that he's just not waiting for you to fail. Do you understand? All right? He wants you to perform this. And so everything that you require, everything that you need to hear to prod you on, he's saying it. But you need to be there to see that, oh my God, that's him cheering me on. All right? So don't feel fear. All right? God is in your corner. He's got your back. And he loves you so much. All right? God bless you. I'm so sorry. Some of you may have just seen me quickly glance at my clock. It's not because I'm tired of talking. We could do this all night. I just remember that my children are in somebody's house. Forgive me, please. Forgive me. I, I, I would, um, maybe we'll have some part two or something. Forgive me, please. I need to run before they think I have left my children and put them up for adoption. <laughs> I completely forgot. How does a mother do that? But I need to go and carry my children, all right? Forgive me, please. I know you had a question. Please <laughs> forgive me. Yes, please. I actually think that, you know, what you've just done is really a message to all of us. Yeah. You know, I actually do believe because there are some women who, in, despite the fact that their children are in someone's house, just to keep up an appearance, right? But I think it's important that, you know, we these balls must not drop. Mm. None of these balls, mm. all right? Because if she fails as a mom, mm. we will be the first person, people to say, aha, mm. see our role model. Do you mm. get my point? Yeah, so I think we can say God bless you thank so you. much and thank you. Pastor Bola, could you just pray with us for a minute or two? Yes. yes. And um, this has been such an inspiring time speaking um, with you ladies and I mean, the very fact that you sent a call of God on your lives, I mean, for me, just tells me, I was sharing with Busola as we were coming also this evening that um, I was opportuned to listen to a woman of God speaking this year. And she said God had given her husband a word at the turn of this decade, that this will be the decade for the daughters of God. That in this decade, the daughters of God will rise up more than ever before and carry the mantle of God's um, grace and diffuse the fragrance of his presence around the world. And you know, I feel like just to confirm that to me and to, to make it clear to me that he wasn't just being random about that. After hearing this woman of God speaking in this room full of people, I was looking at the stage and thinking, oh, this woman is so far away. Oh, I would love to meet her. I got to meet her just last, just in October. Face to face, eyeball to eyeball. I was like, oh, I love you. I heard you speak this year. So I absolutely believe it. This is the decade for the daughter of God. More than ever, God is pouring out his spirit. More than ever, God is pouring out his anointing. He's pouring out such power upon his daughters. And it's because he knows that you know what to do with his power. You will know how to carry his power with grace and with submission to the purpose, to the calling, to the place he's calling you to. So, Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time in your presence. And I thank you all the more for these precious daughters of your heart, these precious women who have stepped into this, this calling that you have put upon their lives. Father, Lord, I ask that in the days ahead, you will make this calling and this election sure. 
I ask, Lord, that in the days ahead, you will help them see with, with clarity what it is that you have called them into. I ask, Father, Lord, that in the season and in the days ahead, Lord, they will experience a tangible anointing, a tangible overflow of your presence with them. Lord, your word says that on the day of Pentecost, as they were gathered together in that upper room, Lord, that the spirit of God just filled that room and there appeared on those disciples tongues of fire. I ask, Father Lord, upon your daughters, tongues of fire in the name of Jesus. I ask, Lord, that by the power of your spirit, they will begin to speak with new tongues. They will begin to speak a new language. They will begin to speak with such power that people will look on them and ask, is this not the same woman that I saw? Is this not that same young girl? What has happened? It's nothing but the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask, Father, that the power of your spirit will take them, oh God, in this place, Father, fill them up to such a degree, God, that they will begin to speak, oh God. They will begin to speak just like it was said of Saul. Has Saul become one of the prophets? It will be said concerning your daughters. Has she now become one of the prophets? Has she now become one of the deliverers? Has she now become one of the ministers? Has she now become one of the anointed ones? Yes, oh God, by the power of your spirit, your daughters rise up in this time and in this dispensation. They rise up as daughters of the Most High God, daughters of Zelophehad, women of Shunem, women of strength and capacity. They will represent you well, Father. Lord, we ask, that as your power falls on your daughters, you will open great doors of opportunity. Great doors of opportunity that none can shut. Jesus said, I open before you a door that none can shut. Lord, they will walk through those doors with strength, with power. In the name of Jesus. I ask, Father Lord, that as they go from here, those same issues that used to terrorize and challenge them, Father Lord, you will give them a new heart and a new spirit. They will run towards those very same things and see the giants fall. In the name of Jesus. Lord, as Jabez prayed and he asked, Lord, enlarge me. Enlarge me that I may not cause pain. Let that be the story of your daughters. As you bring an enlargement upon them, Father Lord, everything that used to cause pain, oh God, is taken away in the name of Jesus. Father Lord, we exalt you and we thank you. Thank you, Father Lord, because arising from this, pla from this place, daughters of God, daughters of God, daughters of God, women of means and capacity, women of anointing and of fire and passion in the name of Jesus. Father, we exalt you and we bless you tonight. Hallowed be your name. When all is said and done, let it be about Jesus. Jesus glorified. Jesus lifted high. No flesh will glory in your presence. All the glory will return to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.